So as you know, we are covering the biggest and the best events from around the world and our regular cast member and correspondent uh, Jesse Newton was in attendance at the 11th Company GT uh, very recently. What's going on, Jesse? You good? Yeah, how's it going? Uh, you know, I can't complain. I love the tournament. Um, and we are very, very grateful to have the uh, the winner of that tournament, Sean Naden, um, with us as well this evening. Hello, Sean. Hello, how are you? Uh, very well. Greetings from across the uh, multiple time zones and a pretty big ocean. Thanks for thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. So uh, obviously, you know, we're going to get into into the real exciting thing, which is your your lick to shame list, as it's been uh, coined online. Um, uh, a list that pretty much surprised everybody when they looked at it at, at first glance. So we really want you to sort of give us an idea of how that worked and, and give us some of the secrets. Obviously, not all the trade secrets, but you know, just a, a, a little bit of an idea of, of how it functions. Um, so we're going to go through that in a bit. But um, Jesse, if you can explain, seeing as you are a, a member of the Eleventh Company podcast now, um, tell us a little bit about the Eleventh Company GT, the history of it, and um, and that sort of thing, where it's based, what it was like. So the 11th Company GT is a tournament that is based in South uh, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. Uh, and it's done in November, which is real convenient because it's a resort town, uh, you know, summer resort. And so everything's dirt cheap in, in the off time. It's uh, currently in – that was its fourth year running. I also do believe it might be the last year in Myrtle Beach uh, just because Neil moved up. And, you know, a lot of us are based in the Northeast now. But uh, – you know, four years running, it is a Nova-style event. Uh, works kind of closely with, with Nova um, for everything from Mission Packet to FAQ. And, uh, you know, it just, it's the premier event for me to go to. Uh, the tournament means a lot to me because it's actually what got me back into playing competitive 40K. Oh, brilliant. So how long have you been going there? I've been going there for four years now. Okay, so you're a, you're a full veteran. You're going to uh, get your five-year reward next year. Yes, sir. Um, so, were they running completely off the Nova packet, or did they have their own missions, or, or how are they how are they working? The biggest difference off the Nova packet was the Nova mission packet requires your warlord to come out of your combined arms attachment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Neil, as well as several of the other guys, as we were talking, we did not agree with that, so he did not require that. We actually played by the rules and uh, allowed your warlord to come out of any detachment, thus making your primary, as long as it wasn't an allied detachment or a detachment specifically says it can't be your warlord. Okay. Um, obviously, you were then rubbing your sweaty palms together with glee at the uh, idea of a of a adamantium lance warlord. Um, I think I heard that. Hey, early. if they're going to let me break it, I'm going to take <laughs> it. You know what I mean? Because it's not like you get enough stuff for free in that, um, in that formation anyway. You need more stuff That's- for free. That's what I said. I actually argued on the 11th company that they should uh, they should make a caveat and specifically say your uh, adamantium lance can't be your warlord, mm. only because I didn't think there was any reason you should get more free benefits for nothing. And that, I mean, that just proves, you know, that sort of attitude proves that you guys at Team Stromping Grounds are responsible for completely breaking 40k and you're just out there to just win at all costs, um, I think. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, luckily for us, luckily for us, we are we have Matt Robertson and and a couple of guys, you know, keeping keeping the dream of destroying 40K alive over there in the UK with Team Stomper Grounds UK. 
Oh dear. Yeah. So uh, nice. It's nice to see someone actively going out there and sort of speaking sense about the ludicrousness of their list um, and stuff they're using out there. Um, so we're talking about um, army composition and that sort of stuff. Were they running uh, a two-source format? What was the uh, what was the format there for army composition? It is two-source. Okay. Um, did you have to have a, a combined arms as primary or or three? Did no. You have to have a combined um, arms at some point. You did not. Okay. Nope. You could have you could have run two detachments if you wanted. You could have uh, done a combined arms and an ally. You could have done uh, real space raiders, for instance, in a mm. formation. Like I could have taken real space raiders and uh, adamantium lance. Um, but was everything unique as well? Uh, you could not. I, I I don't know if they're technically unique. You can't have more than one CAD though. So okay. being that it's being that it's a uh, a single, you know, two source format. I don't actually know. Sean, do you know if Nova was unique? Uh, I didn't go to Nova, unique? but I don't think, like, I don't think you could take, like, well, BFS two adamantium lances. Don't, please don't, yeah. please don't say that again out loud because, um, Jesse will start salivating into his like, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but you know, that's that's over 2,000 points. Now, there is a there is a rumor that one of the one of the smaller GTs, uh, near us might be going to 2500 points this year <laughs> so uh i'm just saying double adamantium lance anybody yeah and i and i still have 300 points to spray i can still take a summon seer and jet bikes sounds good to me or you could just do adamantium lance and four forge world knights that'll be pretty pretty cool yeah um so let's get into what you were taking obviously you were running the lance what was that with uh i was running it with eldar so after nova um, I took it to BFS and I realized that the Tau, whereas it's good, uh, you know, doesn't really lend itself as well as I thought it would to the Adamantium Lance. It's a good shooting platform, but it's nothing to be impressive with, like impressed with with the Riptides. Mm. So I went with the ability to summon troops, have fast throwaway objective secured units for end game, and have Wraith Knights. Big thing I've learned with the Adamantium Lances, a lot of times there's you need to be able to pin something in place for a turn so that the lance can hammer home. Mm. This is more before the FAQ made them even dumber. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so the, the, FA, the, the FAQ really that follows the FAQ that follows our UK GT rulings already. Anyway, thus again, yes. proving and our some, mastery of the English language here in the UK. And some, and some other, you know, GTs over here read it that way. It doesn't matter if it's, if it's correct. It's still <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Well, it, it makes sense. You know what I mean? It does make sense. You know, you, you've got it, it this does, enormous thing. It does thing. make sense, but Imperial Knights need a weakness. Yeah, that's true. That's true. And I'm not talking about Lictors, because the only person that can that, that uses Lictors as their weakness to Imperial Knights is Naden. Um, so what was your actual Eldar composition? Uh, oh, Farseer with uh, Runes of Witnessing, yeah. uh, Spirit Zone of Unflaw, Un bike and uh, a spear because I didn't have enough points to fit mantle in there so I just took a couple extra upgrades Okay, and then uh, two three man jet bike units, two wraith knights and then adamantium lance. Uh, one of our one of our guys called that um, the summoning stone, that's the new name for it now. Correct. Yeah, yeah, which is, which is pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> so still pretty big punch um, slightly less shooting for you in that um, um, the shooting is actually 
so playing against the or the Tal version, mm-hmm. the shooting whereas I have less less actual shots is actually better. Mm, it's it's more more effective on a shot by shot basis. Exactly. You know, you got the the strength ten shooting. Uh, you have which also causes instant death on the roll of a six. So that's mm-hmm. pretty big. Uh, and you're you're way punchier in close combat. Yeah, definitely, definitely, and 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 a lot more mobile as well. Right. Yep. Um, okay, so let's get into the exciting stuff. Sean, um, you turned up with something that pretty much no one was expecting to see, um, and did something that even less people were expecting to see, which is win with it as well. Um, nine lictors in your list. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this? Um, all right. Well, the list was uh, two hive tyrants with all the loadout that everyone runs. You know, the two guns, the electroshock rubs for the haywire for Jesse's lances. <laughs> um, Not enough, baby. Yeah, we'll see. And uh, I had three units of five gene stealers. One unit of three rippers with the deep strike upgrade. Uh, three solo lictors in my CAD. Three units of spore mines in my fast attack. Three Molochs. And then I had uh, Death Leaper's assassin formation, which is Death Leaper and five solo lictors. So, what made you want to run that list? Where did you come up with that idea? Um, you know, have you always played Nids? Where did it come from? Yeah, I had I've had Nids since fifth edition, and those were like the kind of models I owned. I had a flyer and um, a couple Molochs, Gene Stealers, and uh, Lictors, because Lictors are really really cool models, and so like that's what I wanted to play with when I was playing. With. So start a seventh edition, you can go all reserve again. Well, I mean not all reserve. You need something to be on the board, but way more than sixth edition allowed. So like the whole null deployment. Steelers and lictors and bollocks could be used again because, like, to me, if you had half your nids on the board, you were losing. It was like an all or nothing type thing. Mm. And um, so there was no point to run it in sixth at all. So that's why I brought it back. I actually had played the Deathly Performation with my B Star at the last GT for the old, old Dark Eldar. And uh, it did really well. Like the lictors were doing stuff, and I was like, "Oh, these are cool. Let me try to make a whole list around them." And so that's where the list, you know, came about. So those are the models I have for Nids, and uh, the new Dark Eldar were just so different from the close combat I was running. It's too many guns, and if my army has more than like ten guns in it, I kind of like lose control and can't play anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It's 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 really great to see you bringing together a winning list out of models that you wanted to put down on the table because a lot of people think you know competitive 40k players they write up lists and then they just go out and get the models afterwards they borrow beg steal forge whatever they're going to do um and, and getting the models together you literally made this list out of the stuff that you had already and wanted to put down which is which is very impressive yeah i mean i had to augment it i had to get a second flyer because they're so good yeah I picked up a third Moloch and two extra lictors, but I already had seven in the house. So, mm. like, <laughs> I was I was really close. It wasn't it wasn't a lot of models to yeah. update the list. So, yeah, that, but that's that's how most of my lists start. I usually start with a concept that I want and try to fit a list around that concept first. Like B Star, so for me, started with I wanted to use Vet 
and I was like, what can I use to create, make VEC usable? So that's how BSTAR started in, in the United States. <laughs> so what you're saying is you're a better man than me because I didn't own a single model in the army I was playing. Yeah. I don't think that's the only reason that he's um, a better man than you, Jesse, but it's, it's, I'm sure it's, it's... We can start there. We'll start there. And <laughs> that, we'll have that, <laughs> that hurts. I thought we were supposed to be like allies here. <laughs> of convenience, and at that moment, it wasn't convenient for me. <laughs> <laughs> to have no allies. <laughs> um, so do you want to talk us through how the list works? What's the strengths? Um, because obviously, people look at that and see, well, lictors, they suck, so... Uh, how does that work? Morlocks, they're okay, but they're not that great. Okay, I can see Hive Tyrants, they're awesome. But obviously everything works together and it, it's very, very impressive. So um, what's the, what are the strengths of the list? How does it work? And why was it good with those missions as well? Because that's very important. Yeah, um, it's definitely a sum of its parts more than it is an individual parts type list. Um, I mean, Hive Tyrants, like you said, are, they're obviously good. Like, everyone knows they're good. Um, but I think the first strength is just like you said, that people will look at the list and dismiss it, which is step one in my mind. Yeah, I think the more problems you cause for a player from the start earliest in the game, then that works in your favor. So if your list is confusing and it's not clear how it's going to set up, how it's going to deploy, mm. what, your, you, what your personal objectives are, and your playstyle is just from your list, then that causes your opponent to start to take up mental space. And the more mental space you have on them, the more strain that you have on them. And if you're going second, so you literally have nothing on the board yet, now they have to try to counter your deployment without knowing how you're ever going to deploy I mean, everyone knows how a wave serpent list deploys. Everyone knows what a wave serpent list does. Yeah. You know, at a certain point, everyone knows what Imperial Knights do. You know, that it's not hard to, you either have experience or you've read about experience, so you know what's going to happen. But a list that A, doesn't really deploy, and B, is containing things that you've never seen before or have read forever and ever is bad, means you either are going to take a step and relax which I think a lot of players will do, especially certain like certain lists. If you're playing Serpents, if you're playing Tau, you're going to look at the Lictor list and say, oh, this is an easy win, and you'll mm. relax. And every time you relax, you've lost that edge, and you're not going to be pushing to beat your opponent. You're now you're at their... Because by the time you realize something's going wrong, it's too late. There's not enough turns in the game at that point. I mean, you definitely look at your list, and if on paper it's not clear to see... What you, you don't have like a an, an obvious game plan. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have a game plan uh, with that list. It's not like a um, like a flow chart you're going to go through at the start of the game and open uh, opening gambit, if you will. Um, but how much versatility is there in this list? Like, because obviously, when you when you look at nine space wolf drop pods, you know what, what's going to fucking come at you. You like you know what's going to happen. You look at like you said seven wave serpents. You know what's going to happen. You look at <clears throat> um, a bike Death Star or, or Beast Pack, for example, in the old book, you know what to expect. Are people gonna, like? Have you got versatility in, in this list and different options? Yeah, I think so. I think I didn't really deploy the same way in every game to a certain extent. Um, obviously, it's it's matchup dependent. 
you know, if, if they don't have the firepower or if you, with the, there's a bastion in the list. So if I can hide the fly, the fly rinse on the board and they won't die, I'm going to do that because that's more turns where they get their firepower on the board. Mm-hmm. But if you have the firepower to blow them off the board, I have no reason to deploy them. You know, why? Why just waste all their expensiveness, you know, to dying? So, like, exactly. Um, yeah. I've got tons of different, and like, it's, ter- and a lot of the things are terrain based. You know, if you could find places, if they don't have SMS, you know, I mean, technically you could deploy, you know, infiltrate all the lictors and stuff right in their face if, if the matchup decided that that would be a good idea. So, like, right at deployment, every, every model has different options. You know, stealers can infiltrate, outflank, or deploy. Molochs can deploy, or they can deep strike, <laughs> you know. Like, every model has alternate deployment, you know. And that's, that's very strong. Um, especially in this game where there is such a variance in the missions um, and it's not like in 5th when you were playing you're playing a lot of the same builds there's, there's so, so, many, so much variance in the different uh, lists that you can face at, at GT these days very good builds as well so you need that um, flexibility yeah there's, there's variance but like and that's like there's so much variance that you almost like even in six, I, I I was always saying this. People would be like, "Well, your list is really weak against that. Why can't you change it?" And I'm like, "Well, in the off chance I play that, oh well, I'm gonna have to outplay that person, or I'm gonna have to hope the mission is good for me. But I'm good against X, Y, Z, mm. and these are either more popular, or I either beat them so badly that." I get more points and I might win the tournament anyway, even if I suffer a, a close loss or something. Yeah. You know? And even even in changing, you know, you shift your internal meta towards something else. And in doing so, you move away and you might reduce your effectiveness in a different matchup. Um, I think exactly. I think in sixth, sixth, like before we before we started seeing Imperial Knights, I think Beast Pack were probably the list which covered the most bases um, in sixth. But obviously now that's not there anymore for you. Um, and you've you've come back with this list, which you know it, it's quite inspirational for a lot of people to see that you know you can come with uh, an army, a faction that's not really fancied. Uh, a lot of people were quite you know down about Nids before, obviously all these new units that came out, and we would like to talk to you about that a little bit as well. Um, but a lot of people were down about the new Nid book, um, and you're not even taking the obvious hotness out of that book as well. Like obviously you've got the the Hive Tyrants, but uh, the other units that you've got in there, people are sort of raising their eyebrows, and it's great to see that you can, through your own ingenuity and player skill, still win with a, a non-obvious build. Yeah, that's what uh, I was really excited, and it was really funny because I I had started to put the models together and paint, finish painting the things that uh, were new before like all these new tier new models came out. And then they all started coming out like the weeks before the GT mm. and all kinds of players like, oh, maybe I'll play yeah. Nids now if these things are good. And I was like, darn it, everyone's jumping <laughs> on Nids right when I'm about to jump on them, right <laughs> when I'm about to drop this list. And so I was, uh, I was a little like uh, surprised by that. But um, So how do, the, um, how do the Lictors work? What are the strengths of the Lictors for you in your list? Um, I think Lictors are really <laughs> underrated um, because... I mean, I come from the experience of playing Dark Eldar a lot. So, like, to me, the fact that things die doesn't really bother me. Because, like, Dark Eldar have historically been such a glass cannon army. You know, hit hard and die. <laughs> or or hit hard right. or, yeah. or die, you know. Mm. Um, 
So like Elector has like a million rules. Like you, you go down the list of, of what Elector does and it it has it's like has Space Marine Captain stats, it has a hundred different rules, it has like hit and run, infiltrate, stealth, uh deep strike, just like a ridiculous amount of rules. Like Death Leaper I think has like fifteen special rules. Mm. Like that. It's just like for models that are like fifty points. Elector is fifty points, but it has like so many different rules. So like just just than that, you're like, wow, you got to be able to do something. And then you go to its stat line, and it's weapon skill six, it's strength six, it's initiative six, it has three wounds, it's T four. Like if if it has those kind of stats, it can't be terrible. Like just just from that, you'd have to like look at it and say, hey, I mean, just this model has to be able to do something. I mean, sure, on its own. Yeah, because you can deal with one of those things popping up not too too difficultly. Um, but when you've got eight plus Death Leaper in there, that's that's a lot of shit to deal with, especially with the Morlocks and the Hive Tyrants running around as well. Um, how did you uh, approach the missions? Because obviously that's very important. There's two, th- there's two things I think are really important as to whether a list works or not at a tournament. That's firstly the rules pack and the missions. And then secondly, the terrain. And obviously the terrain is very important for your list, I think. But um, let's, let's talk about the, 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 the missions first and foremostly. So um, how much reading did you do through the rules pack before the event? Um, before I built the list, I really didn't read them. Um, I get made fun of famously for A, I don't really read my opponent's list, and B, I really don't read the missions a lot of the time. <laughs> So, like it's usually, it's usually about turn three or something. Oh, like, we're, we're we're out here we're out here on the podcast trying to encourage people to go out there and study the rules back and understand <laughs> what you're doing and know your enemy and you're out here winning GTs, turning up with left field lists and not even paying attention. But uh, I did I did read them a bit um, after I made the list because I'd made it more for the BAO missions because I just played those at a uh, okay. At BFS, like I, not like it, the list. Like I said, it wasn't really for the missions. Like I wanted to use eight lictors. I didn't really care, like what <laughs> beyond that was, you know, going to happen. Um, and uh, I mean, because to me, it's basically forty k missions come down to you're going to have to claim objectives, and you're going to have to kill stuff. So like whether the missions are beyond that, it doesn't really matter. If you've got flexibility in that, you're going to do okay. And then when you are getting into the GT, so like on the plane ride down. I'm reading the missions a little more just to like so there's no surprises um, because like Nova you had to make choices on like whether you want to do the main mission or the alternate version so like I wanted to have at least those choices mapped out a little bit in my head heading in because um, like I said you don't want to be deciding that kind of stuff at the table um, mm-hmm. because you have to a glance at somebody's list I mean if it's an army builder I'm not gonna lie I can't read it. I look at it for like two seconds and I'm like, uh, excuse me, can you explain what's in this list? Because Army Builder makes my eyes glaze over. Um, I hear that. I hear that. Like, uh, so like all my, all my, my lists are like in Word documents because I'm like, I'll explain what everything does. You can look at my codex, but Army Builder, I'm like, uh, how many guardsmen are in this list? I, I don't know. Five plus three <laughs> plus what? Yeah, yeah, can't keep yeah I'm like, uh, just tell me what models you have. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the missions, I, people have been going on about, uh, all the discussion online since 11th company have mm. been like, of course this list did well, look at these missions. And they're like going on and on about like, 
the alternate scoring and how many units I had. Like, oh, yeah, he obviously was scoring this many points a turn. And I'm like, I didn't really do the alternate. So I don't know what you're talking about. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, did, I did the alternate in only one mission. I did end-of-the-game scoring, like regular base scoring in every mission. Um, people said, oh, well, obviously he's given up kill points, so he's not picking the kill point secondary. I'm like, I picked the kill point secondary a bunch of times. I won or tied kill points in every game I played. Um, so, like, the missions were important. Like, um, what the alternate scoring where you were scoring every turn, I didn't like that because a lot of it involved holding your own ground, like objectives in your zone, um, which obviously the list has no intention of being in its own zone. So that wasn't something I was interested in. But what happens to be helpful about those missions is they're trying to hold their own zone and then when Elector shows up they no longer hold their own zone yeah mm. <laughs> so and it's not uh, just a Lictor turning up either I imagine it's you know you've got enough to, to to put multiple threats in different areas and obviously that that mobility of the infiltrate and the outflank and the deep strike gives you so many options of putting things where you need them to be um, when yeah, you want so them as well and that's what I saw when, like I said, when I took the list to with Dark Eldar and the Lictors, we were playing those BAO missions where you're playing Mini Maelstrom, and uh, every turn I'd you know roll for reserves and or you'd roll your Maelstrom first, and they'd be like, oh, you got to claim this objective and that objective, but that's your Maelstrom this turn. And I'd be like, okay, roll reserves. Oh, two Lictors showed up. Boom, boom, got those. You know, <laughs> like so that's where, like you said, like the the adaptability of the deployment can come in helpful in the missions. Yeah. Yeah. And like like I said, when I'm doing the primary, so I don't really care about scoring every turn, but my opponent does, and suddenly every turn I'm denying his objectives. So mm. now he's behind the eight ball. Now he's not scoring any points in any of the turns, or he's scoring one, or he's scoring two, maybe, but he's not getting the full three, or he's getting zero. And I can just do the math, and I'm like, all right, at the end of the game, I'm going to need two objectives. I'm going to need one objective. I'm going to need three objectives. And then I can start to plan where I'm going, because I've already denied him all these points. Um, so let's move on to the other thing that I feel is quite important um, with this list is the is the terrain. What was the terrain like eleventh? Uh, and, and Jesse, please do also uh, chime in on this because obviously the terrain's quite important for you as well. Uh, the terrain was good. Um, I didn't go to Nova this year. I haven't been in a couple of years because where the date when the dates dates line mm. up. But um, BFS and Eleven Company do similar type terrain setups and. Uh, over the last couple of years, you know, the line of sight blocking terrain has gotten way better in the U.S. I mean, there's still mm -hmm. some tournaments that don't, but these two, BFS in October and 11th Company, really had a lot of good line of sight blocking terrain um, and a couple other, like, little terrain bits. So I think we had, like, three or four ruins on every table um, spread across big ones with, like, blocking line of sight. And, um, you know, it... it makes for a more interesting game because you do have other options you can't it's not just line up and shoot each other 40k um so let's go through um let's let's go through some of your games um how many rounds was the tournament uh the tournament was six six rounds okay cool cool um so going into the the tournament is there anything that you're looking to really avoid is there any like particularly bad matchups for you that you're you know not really not looking forward towards um yeah, I mean, uh, so like I'm walking around the room before the tournament, you know, as most of us do, and you're like, oh, that list looks tough, that looks looks tough, you know, 
that kind of thing. And um, one of the few that was kind of like, uh, was like a five Stormwolf flyer list. Okay. And I'm like, like, I don't know that I would lose to it because what does it do to me? But like the same time, like, what do I do to five armor 12 flyers? Like, you know what I mean? It's not so, like, that's what usually bothers me because obviously you go to, you when you're building your list, you're already thinking about Adamantium Lance, you're already thinking about Wave Serpents, you're already thinking about these kind of things. Like, yeah. um, so like they're already on your mind. You you already have like a plan, but like it's these oddball lists that worry my my oddball lists more often than the main lists because you know obviously he's not planning for me to bring nine lictors, but what do I do with five of those giant flyers? So it's more of those outliers. I actually lists. ran in. Go on. Yeah, I ran into the same that same list and that same problem, and I was walking around the room, and I'm like, that's a lot of stormwolves. I don't really interact in that game. <laughs> hope I don't play that guy and unfortunately I did but like that was one of the things like you know you, you hit the nail on the head walking around and I did that and I walked around and I you know I knew Lictor Shane was coming on like Psh, that's nothing and you know I don't know I was I was clearly incorrect yeah and Jesse yeah. you I, I, I've, want, I've wanted to ask you because uh you were walking around and your games were over in like 30 minutes every game and you kept walking over and watching yep. my games like was there like a mood? Like, were you picking up on people being like, "What's that list? What? Why is it doing anything?" Oh, absolutely, absolutely. People were so well. So both of my buddies, like, so when you played Brian in round three, I was like, okay, you know, after watching those plays, like, all right, if Brian plays right here, I think he'd be in a good shot, a good spot. And I kept turning around. I turned around, and Brian was getting tabled. Brian was the Asian guy you played. Yeah, yeah, Tao. If you don't remember which one. Yeah, the Tao one. I'm like, oh, okay, that's that's no good. But I was walking around, and that was just – that was a constant thing. Like, everybody, like, looked at your list and were like, whatever. And, like, you can see, like, this air of of arrogance, like, on turn one and two. Like, yeah, it's just lictors. And I, I come back around, like, turn four, and everybody's, like, scratching their head. Like, oh, my God. What – how am I losing to this? What, what am I going to do? And then I just see, like – I think it was your game – your game four – uh, you were just your opponent was just kind of flowing. Your the uh, the Imperial Guard player was just kind of flowing at like, what do I do? I have no idea. I'm just going to pray to God I can make something happen and summon some stuff. It was it, it was it was enjoyable to watch at the, the least, you know. Uh, well, let's get into um, let's get into some of your games if we can, um, Jesse. Let's open up with you. Um, we know we know what you're good against. We've we've heard we've heard the uh, the lance in action before. Uh, who did you open up against? Mm-hmm. You weren't you weren't playing a 15 year old this time, were you? No, I opened up against um, uh, one of the guys, one of the 11th Company listeners, like regular listeners. He's playing Tell Fire Support Cadre, and he was playing uh, uh, six units of 12 Fire Warriors. I did not happen to pay attention to the units of fi- what the units of fire warriors were equipped with and just went these guys are going to be easy kill points and uh he took first he caused two hull points on one uh one of my imperial knights on turn one that was the only two hull points he caused the whole game uh after i pushed forward i realized oh crap i got my first blood i killed his i killed his pathfinders i killed a bunch of fire warriors i was like man 
why is he moving these fire warriors up? So I actually took a chance and sat down and actually read all of his upgrades. And went, oh, all these fire warriors have EMP grenades. So I just charged them with Wraith Knight <laughs> instead. Because I was like, there's no reason these fire warriors should just be like, move running towards me. And then I realized, oh, they're move running because they have EMP grenades and he wants to get in combat. So Wraith Knight's dealt with them. So if he'd have been uh, a bit more it, subtle it, about it, he could have actually spoiled your day. But he was a bit too Yeah, a bit so too one of the big things that happened was I was in a position where he could have got like a four or five inch charge um, with one unit of, of fire warriors in on my warlord. Uh, on my warlord. But he got, frankly, he got a little greedy and wanted to go after my two hole pointed off Imperial Knight, and it turned a four-inch charge into like a, a nine-inch, like just over a nine-inch charge, so he needed to roll a ten, and he tried to make that happen, and it didn't happen for him, and, you know, I was able to kind of capitalize on it. Otherwise, he could have got 12 haywire, te- or haywire grenades in on my Warlord, and just tried to drag my Warlord down. Uh, so how did that end up for you? Uh, I maxed. Uh, what was the scoring system, by the way? I didn't even, uh, didn't even ask. Um... So you got nine points for primary, six maximum nine points for primary, six points for secondary for a total point of sixteen or fifteen, and it was uh, theoretically it was a max of fifteen points or thirty points out of a round because both players in theory could get fifteen points, and it would come down to victory points to determine winner or loser. So the, it was a win loss tournament with a battle point breaker. Mm. Okay. Because uh, obviously it was six rounds, so that's not enough to to get an outright winner. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, again, there was a uh, sixty. There was under sixty-four people. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's, uh, yeah, exactly. So it would have been seven rounds if we if we were over, because it was a ninety, whatever person event. Okay. All right. Uh, so Sean, your first game, who are you up against? Uh, round one, I played a Chaos Space Marine list. Um, that my opponent, who was a great guy, he was. He told me at the beginning of the game, he's like, it's a, it's a fifth edition space, uh, Chaos Space Marine list. And I was like, okay. So we had Abaddon and some Corn Berserkers and some Plague, uh, plague Marines and mm. Chaos Marines and Rhinos and Obliterators and uh, a Land Raider. So, um, yeah, I, our, our dice went wacky. We were using Community Dice at the 11th Company, which was pretty cool. So it was just they provided a table's worth of dice. Sweet. And you all just use the same dice, so there's no question of whose dice do what you're all using the same dice anyway and um i tried to cast warp lance on his land raider and i rolled four ones and then both flyerants shot at his two obliterators and they both died even with two up saves and i was like oh well i guess we're equal (laughs) (laughs) but um and then i'd moved death leaper forward and he got abaddon and his boys out to charge death leaper and uh well, they killed Death Sleeper. I mean, there's really no question. Abaddon kills whatever he wants. Yeah. <laughs> but Ab- uh, Death Sleeper did wound him once, which is funny, because he had to accept the challenge. And That's then right. uh, Abaddon and the eight Corn Berserkers only roll a one for Consolidate, and uh, three Molochs land on their heads. <laughs> so that wasn't good for Abaddon and his friends. No. Um, and then I presume you can proceeded to uh, eat the rest. Yeah, I think I, I think our game was over like turn three. Uh, um, so yeah, good starts for both of you. Um, second round, Jesse, what did you end up with? 
so second round, I ended up playing. Second round, I ended up. I ended up playing against Space Marines. Okay. Uh, it was a double chapter master build, a little a little wonky on the build. It was uh, the guy designed it to be. He said he designed it to really be able to, to punish uh, serpents. He had an honor guard squad with all uh, with all power balls, a chapter master and terminator armor with gorgon chain, and honor guard on foot. Honor guard on foot. Always on foot. Yeah. Yeah, and so he, he took a pod for their dedicated transport, stuck the Terminator Lord in there, and took a, a librarian. Then took a chapter master on bike with white scars, stuck it in a clan rockin' uh, command squad with grav. He had two units of stern guard, or two 10-man stern guard, two tactical squads, and a five 10-man tactical squad, and rhino and a thunderfire cannon. So he said his whole point was against wave serpents was to pod down, was basically pod down with the honor guard, in Serpent's face uh, with the the Terminator lured out in front, hope to hope to uh, get invisibility, and then kind of back that up with the other with the bike squad. So if they tr- you know basically if they tried to just move away from them, he could assault them with bikes mm. and things like that. So the only problem the with that is they get their the teeth kicked fights. in by uh, Wraith Knights um, pretty badly. Think. Yeah, well, I mean, that's what the Terminator Lord was there for. Was it the fight that you know? Because he's Eternal Warrior, he has to feel no pain. Mm. He, well, the feel no pain doesn't matter because he's only T four, but he's Eternal yeah. Warrior, three up and vulnerable save, has a Thunder Hammer. Yeah, you know, so his whole point is to try to mitigate that. Yeah, and be able to drag it down. So he moved forward on turn one. And we were playing Relic, I believe, was mission two. He moved forward on turn one. And uh, didn't he didn't pick up the relic with his command squad? Okay. And then the big thing that happened was, so I did I deployed both my wraith knights in terrain, and I called side for my shields because he had no real shooting other than orbital bombardment, and he dropped double bombardment on one imperial knight, and they both scattered. The one scattered onto a drop pod and all ten stern guard, which were broken into combat squads, <laughs> killed the drop pod for first blood and killed both stern guard squads down to like a man. He's all um, wonderful. Yeah. So then on my turn one, I simply moved forward, got got a short charge off on his command squad with my warlord. Yeah. And because uh, I also had the – so the big thing I want to hit off on is the Imperial Knight Warlord traits are cash money. Okay. So go, go through all those. Good, if you've all done almost good. Yeah. So warlord trait one is the Knight Warlord and all friendly Imperial Knights within 12 inches of them add one to their res- – to the result when rolling the distance they run or their charge. Okay. Um, that actually won me game four single-handedly, that Warlord trait. And it turned uh, it turned uh, a game where I lost first blood. I lost the first blood as a secondary mm. on turn five and six into a max point win on turn seven because of that Warlord trait. Uh, fearsome reputation, enemy units within 12 inches the Knight Warlord use their lowest leadership value, not their highest. Also really good. That's Master good the fun. Joust. The Knight Warlord rerolls all failed to hit rolls in any assault phase in which he successfully charges, uh, which I, ac- I actually had in this particular game. Uh, the Knight Warlord, Master of the Field, I think is actually the worst for the Lance. It's uh, the Knight Warlord D3 Imperial Knights have the outflank special roll. 
Master of Siege is pretty is pretty situational at best. Uh, Night Warlord and all friendly Imperial Knights within twelve inches of them had won the rolls when on the vehicle damage table. Uh, by the way, I want to point out when I played Eric Hoger in round six, which would have been the game I would have played you, Sean. I rolled that Warlord trait. I was coming for your Bastion, son. Oh, nice. <laughs> and then uh, Indomitable. The Night Warlord has the It Will Not Die special roll as the roll of a six. Yeah, that's... So for Adamantium yeah. Lance, there's only two, frankly, bad results. Uh, and one of those two results is super situational, but it can still be useful. Mm. Uh, the outflank, you know, the outflank, I think, is, is just genuinely bad because there's no reason you're going to want to... A formation like that, you're going to want to take the chances of not getting your side. If it gave them outflank in acute sense, that would be baller. But it doesn't. So, uh, but round two, round two was a very, again, a very short game. I think I was actually over at Sean's table in like inside of 20 minutes. Um, I max pointed my opponent conceded on turn two. Mm. He had five tactical Marines and a Thunderfire cannon left. And I had a, I had lost one Imperial Knight in the murder, Imperial Knight in the process of killing both the command squad and the other squad, the honor guard squad with invisibility, um, with stomps basically. So I just stomped out the honor guard squad. They went away fairly easily. I rolled a six and removed the chapter master. And now it's all she kind of wrote. So you can see they'll turn two with five tactical Marines left and a thunder fire that had a wraith knight just bearing down on it. Sounded, uh, Quite straightforward for you then in the end after that um, that disastrous uh, disastrous scatter. Yeah, turn from... exactly turn one basically cost them the, you know bad scatter kind of cost them the game because he lost his ability to kill my wraith knights. He dropped both of his really good abilities to get my uh, my imperial knights and to actually go back to what Sean was saying earlier. I almost always chose end game result as well. And went for turn bottom of turn. My opponent chose the alternate, and because of that, he deep struck his his honor guard squad over onto an objective to try to have the pod hold it. So it basically put them out of the game and just made them. When I want to deal with them, I can deal with them, and that really left me open to just the uh, just the orbital bombardments as the only real shooting threat. Yeah. And, you know, the Stern Guard was his only means of killing the Wraith Knights with Hellfire rounds. And he, he took 10 out of 20, he took 10 of them out of the game for me. So I couldn't really, you know, I can't really complain with that, that result. Definitely not. Definitely not. Sean, um, so your second game, uh, what were uh, you up against? I was playing against a, I, one of uh, Jesse's friends, Obi, okay. um, with a really awesome, balanced, uh, space Marine list. Okay, what and, was it? Uh, it had it was using Clan Rockin'. Um, so he had a chapter master on a bike with uh, the Gorgon male shield or whatever it is, mm. and uh, some kind of axe, and uh, you know five man score. So a troop bike squad mm. with two grabs and a Melta. Then he had ten Marines in a pod with Melta, and ten Marines in a Rhino with plasma. And he had two five-man scout squads with heavy bolters in heavy bolter storms. Okay, and, heavy bolter storms, okay. Yeah, and then he had 
a stalker, a predator with all Laz cannons, a Thunderfire cannon, and a Storm Talon. And he had uh, an allied Imperial Knight, uh, whatever, Paladin, the one with the battle cannon, and the two stubbers. So he's actually taken a um, he's taken a Highlander list there, I think. Yeah, it's it's very one of everything, except it has, I mean, obviously, like, two tactical squads, two uh, scout squads. Yeah, but he's got all but, of the available troops, so, yeah, that, that actually qualifies, I think. Good yeah, and, like, what I really liked about it was that, like, it's all, like, diversified. Like, it's not, like, spam. So, like, his anti-air <laughs> is split between the talent and the stalker, so it's, yeah. like, but different, so you'd have to deal with them differently. Mm. You know, and then he's got anti-heavy stuff in a bunch of different places. He's got the three Laz cannons on the Predator. Yeah. You know, he's got the Melta on the mobile bikes. Yeah. He's got the Melta on the bikes and the Grav on the bikes and the Plasma and the Rhino. Um, So it has like a bunch, and I'm sure he has Melta bombs on the Scouts. You know that kind of thing. Mm. Um, But you know, it's just like to me, it was like a very like diversified amount of threats. So like I felt like that kind of list, you know, played well can you know, adapt really well to any situation because it has so many options. And uh, what I said to him was it doesn't have like a clear weak point, mm-hmm. which is what I usually like to look for in a list, especially with the lictors. If I feel like if I assassinate your weak point, it causes your battle plan to like break down a bit. Mm-hmm. But with no like clear weak point, you know, that, that becomes harder to like do if it, for like a list that's so balanced. Um, so yeah, we were playing Relic. Uh, and what he, were you when you look at that list? What what makes you worry about? Uh, what what were you looking at as the threats in that list for you? Is there anything, or is it so spread out that there's not really anything that you're prioritizing? Um, well, I, I was prioritizing the stalker first. Yeah. Um, because like like we've said, the the flyers are so good that basically what I'm going to prioritize if I can is threats to the tyrants. Because once I have air control, then I control you, basically. And you can deal with that talent pretty easily once it comes on. Uh, yeah, a, sing- a single talent, I feel like yeah. the tyrants will get yeah. if they want it. Yeah. Oh. So, like so that the, sort of frees okay. up the skies for you pretty early on. Okay, cool. Yeah, so priority one was, uh, was the stalker for me. <clears throat> um, but yeah, we were playing the Relic, and it was Vanguard deployment. And so he deploys everything except the pod, and he outflanks both uh, scouts. And the, obviously, the storm talent has to come in from reserve. Um, he's got the knight off to like my right, and um, the chapter master more towards the center left. And then he's fortified the terrain in the back where he's got the predator and the thunderfire and the stalker and uh, the rhino. And uh, He's playing alternate, so he's trying to score his two home objectives. He'll get a point. If he has more of his home objectives than I've got of mine, he gets another point. And if he is controlling the relic, which means he's within three inches of it, he'll get another point every turn, starting turns two through seven or whatever. Okay. And um, okay. And I'm doing primary. I'm doing regular. Which mean, and he can't pick up the relic because he's not playing it. So he can't move it. He can't take it and move it away from me. Um, he can only contest it because it's like an objective in seven. Um, but he can't physically pick it up and change its location. So he's doing that, and I'm doing the regular, which means for me, I need the relics worth five points if I get it at the end of the game. His objectives are worth two, and mine are only worth one. 
and I deploy the Bastion, obviously. They have these great line of sight terrain in the middle, so I deployed uh, uh, Death Leaper, right? Like six inches from the relic, sitting middle, but can't be seen by anybody in his army. Okay. And um, a Moloch. Yeah, I deployed a Moloch this turn because I was pretty confident that since the Moloch was behind like a ruin and most of it, like his last cannons couldn't see it, his grav guns wouldn't see it turn one. Um, he could get some shots on it, but it's, you know, it's T6, has six wounds. I, it was going to get cover. Um, and I think I had stealth ruins or, you know, as a warlord trait. So I was pretty confident that the Moloch wouldn't die. So yeah. I wouldn't get killed. And then since he couldn't see Death Leaper, he can't kill Death Leaper because you can't, drop barrages on him because he's got mini invisibility. So since he's behind a wall, you can't see him, so you can't shoot him, so I won't lose. And that's usually how my deployment goes. What can I deploy so I won't lose? <laughs> um, but yeah, so then he deep struck in like the pod up near his objective and then shot the Moloch a little bit but didn't really do anything to it. And so then my turn went... And I charged the Moloch into some Marines and killed a couple Marines. And that was all, that was like, and Death Leaper just like sat on the comms relay because of what, what else is he going to do? And um, so then turn two, and he gets three points because he's got guys on the relic. He's got both his objectives with objective secured, and I don't, get, I don't have anything on the board yet. So, and this happened both times I played the relic. My opponent got three round one. He started to feel really good. And, um, but, I have nothing on the board, so of course they're scoring points. And then turn two, I get like eight lictors in. I get two, two Molochs in. I get one out of two Flyerins. I get Gene Stealers. Um, they all come in, and the Stalker dies because I shoot it in the rear with lictors. Um, his Rhino is immobilized. Um, the guys are spilling out. Uh, or five guys have gotten out to get on my objective. And the Moloch just comes up and kills four of them. Um, Flyer finishes off the Rhino. I uh, couldn't hurt the Predator. or I tried to land a Moloch on top of the Thunderfire Cannon, but I missed. So, mm. um, But now the Thunderfire Cannon and the Predator are sitting there. And they've got Gene Steelers coming after them. They've got the Moloch right there. There's four Lictors sharing the piece of terrain with them. And... Um, they're all one inch away from the Thunderfire Cannon, so they can't get large blasts placed on them, which is funny. Ah, okay. Yeah, that's very tricky. And uh, so, like, the, the Imperial Knight can't really shoot at them. Um, he can't orbital bombard them. So that's always, that's always fun. And... Uh, yeah, so then he, he has to remobilize back the other way because the bikes had come all the way across and killed the Moloch that was on the far left of the screen. And now they're coming all the way back, but they can not they can like throw a couple shots at Lictors at long range. And I'm like, whatever, I go to ground. I'm in, ter I'm in his fortified piece of terrain. I have two up cover. So like all the, all the, all the Lictors go to ground. And um, the knight is like in no man's land coming back towards them through terrain. Um, and then the next turn, the flyer flies up and 
the, his talent had come out and shot me too. And so now the fire flies up, psychic screams the bikes, kills most of the bikes, shoots the, the storm talent dead, and flies in synapse range for all the lictors, which all stand up and charge all his stuff. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, so I can see that you're playing in a very, there's no like, there's no obvious tricks with this list, but there's many, many subtle tricks with so many USRs all over the place. You're able to combine things together in circumstances dependent on 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 what it is you want to achieve. So you know that's 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 like the old uh, the, the old orcish thing of you know going to ground and then calling the war straight away or the. The uh, you can do that with guard blob blob guard. I think people are doing that in uh, in in fifth and sixth as well. Um, <coughs> getting stand that straight back up again, getting back getting back into the fight. So that's you know that that's really nice nice to see you pulling out stuff like that with this list. Gives a bit yeah. of an understanding of you know. You also don't take instinctive behavior text if yeah. you're if you're going to ground. I mean, Lictor's a leadership ten. They don't really care about mm. instinctive behavior, but it's nice to not have to roll the dice. Yeah, <laughs> the one in twelve, you're gonna you're gonna fail, you know. So, and it's it's nice to have that that two up save as well against against the the stuff that's out there. So, yeah, absolutely. You gotta um, get so, how did it end up in the end score wise? Um, yeah, so then it ends up we uh, Jesse kept bothering us, which. <laughs> He kept coming over and like talking to us, and I was like, "Jesse, go away. We have to play this game." And not uh, everyone finishes their. Maybe games you should in finish your minutes. games in twenty minutes. Yeah, I'm just saying. Like good players finish their games in in twenty minutes and then go bother other players. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the end of the game, he was sitting on the the relic. He had moved his chapter master and his last bike to the relic to contest it, and the bike's obviously objective secured. And uh, I deep struck my uh, rippers right next to it and I was like and we were running out of time so I was like I was like all right basically the game comes down to if my two flyers swoop in next to his biker and I was like well if my flyers can kill your biker I win and he's like oh really because he's looking at it cuz I have his home objective I have one of mine so that's 3 and he'd only scored those 3 points he scored at the beginning of the game so I'm like yeah the, this is this is worth 5 and we have like either equal number of secondaries or something like that so I was like, I win if I get this. And he was like, oh, crap. I was like, yeah. So Psychic Scream was all I needed, but I still had the shooting from the Tyrants as well to get the last guy. So he pulls that out. Um, not yeah, I think I got like 11, like 11.6 or something yeah. like that. Yeah. I wasn't maxing like Jesse. No. <laughs> well, Jesse either goes big or goes home. Um, as we, as we saw at BFS. Untrue. Actually, exactly true. I either yeah. go big or I give away GTs. Yeah. Um, so let's uh, let's get into the game game three. Um, Jesse, who are you playing game three? Uh, so game three, actually, you know what, Sean, you go first. Okay. So game three starts with Jesse betting two dollars that his friend Brian will beat me. Um, I was like, that's not really a show of confidence, Jesse. <laughs> um, obviously, round three is important because it determines what bracket you're in for day two. Yeah. So everybody who's you know sitting there two and zero is thinking, I only got to get one more. You know, I make it. So everyone's pumped up. You know, you've already won two games. You're feeling good. 
And um, like I said, that psychological thing comes into it, and my opponent is playing Tau, and he's got a million guns. Millions. <laughs> millions upon millions of guns. So, and Jesse is betting money on him and saying he's going to beat him. He's going to beat me, or he should beat me. And um, so I think he's feeling pretty good. And Brian is great, um, but his list was pretty brutal. You know, he had that, that formation that Tau get with the six broadsides and a rip Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. With Tank Hunter for free and uh, preferred enemy Space Marines as well, I think, isn't it? Yeah. So, so obviously, I don't care about that. Vegetables. That really makes any difference. Still yeah. a lot of guys. Yeah. And they all had they all had missile drones. So they're of like for each broadside unit is like six missile drones, three broadsides. They all have target locks. I'm like, that's a lot of shit. And then um, he's got like a four man suit squad with missile pods and marker drones, and then a commander with like all that special stuff that Tau take. And uh, like whatever, uh, Pure Tide and MSS and drone controller and mm -hmm. the old school drones. Batman. We call him Batman. All of the uh, all yeah. the toys, but no gun. Yeah, yeah, all the toys, no gun. And uh, he's got Ethereal and two units of crude and some fusion suits and two Sky Rays. So I think you know. Him and Jesse, to a certain extent, were basically thinking that this this is the end. This is the end for the Lictors because he's got enough shooting that he and Skyfire and Marker Lights that the Flyrens will die. He's got enough SMSs that all the Lictors will die. Um, you know, like did he have a lot of intercept in there? No, I think only the Riptide and intercept. Okay, well that's that's a, that's some small grace for you, but yeah. Yeah, but um, and it's but uh, I it was. Scouring, so three objectives each, so six total objectives, and they were randomly determined what they were worth, one to three. So there would be two three point ones, one on either side of the board, two two point ones, one on either side of the board, and two one point ones on either side of the board. And uh, we both chose score at the end of the game. Um, and uh, it was hammer and anvil. So I deployed my bastion and a couple of units for my comms relay. Way, 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 way back. <laughs> like, so far back. Because to me, like, the only thing he could kill the Bastion with was the Riptide, if he overcharged or whatever. But I'll take my chances with that. And I was like, all right, let's go way, way, way far away. And uh, he had first turn. And so turn one, his whole army, and it's really funny, you don't usually see this Tau army advancing on the Tyranids. They're booking it. They're sprinting at me. They're running straight bore at me. Jump shoot jumping straight towards me. He runs forward, turn two, and pops that ethereal power that lets you shoot after, or snapshot after running. Yeah. So he gets like SMSs in range. He gets some missiles in range in line of sight, even though I've hidden most of it. Um, he gets the Riptide to shoot me. Um, he kills the Bastion, I think. Or no, he doesn't quite kill it with the two fusion suits that came in. Um, or he might have. He might have killed it, but. Uh, he, uh, but I had the comms off the Bastion, like Stronghold lets you, so you, it doesn't die when the Bastion dies. Okay. Um, and he kills everything but two spore, spore mines, and uh, so those two, uh, whatever, five point models are holding my comms relay down. And uh, because he's pushed everything to get in range, he's really uh, bunched up, 
So I'm getting really excited for the Molochs to come in. And I roll all the rest of my reserves. And he, meanwhile, he does have the minus one to the reserves Warlord trait, which is bad. But I get almost everything on the list. I get almost all the Lictors. I get the Gene Stealers. I get both Hive Tyrants, who I had outflanked because I had the Infiltrate Warlord trait. And it's hammer and anvil, and I figured yeah. out something yeah. flying on is better than flying from the short edge. And um, I get everything, and I finally get to roll the Molochs, and I'm like, yes, three Molochs, no Molochs, one Moloch, oh, all right, whatever, fine, one Moloch. And, um, but it's a smorgasbord of, of stuff bunched up, so I land, I scatter a bit, and I land on top of the ethereal, and two broadsides and like five drones so it's like eight eight hits and the closest model is the ethereal and so he's like oh well, that's not good and i'm like yep so the ethereal dies two broadsides die a couple drones die so that was good if i'd had like all the Molochs turn two i think the game might have ended then but uh the flyrants come in the gene stealers and lictors start popping up and we start shooting and causing the the sky race to jink Mm. And um, I don't wreck either of them, but I kill. But they both jink and like lose one whole point each. And I kill all the marker drones from the crisis unit. Um, and a couple and a couple of the uh, guys too from that unit, maybe like one. And uh, I kill some drones from the uh, the broadside units. And I'm I was basically hoping, like especially with the broadside unit that mostly died to the Moloch to try and get them to run, and they eventually did run. Um, because, I mean, with the Ethereal gone, they're not using Leadership 10. And with the Death Leapers Assassin formation, if you're within 12 inches of any of the Lictors, you're minus one Leadership. Um, and that well, minus one comes in handy a lot of times because people roll the Leadership check and be like, I passed, and I'm like, you failed. <laughs> uh, so then he starts shooting at me, and I think this is where he made like his only mistake of the game was that he has target locks on everybody. So he starts splitting all his guys down the line. Oh, these three broadsides, the drones will shoot at this lictor. Each broadside will shoot at one lictor. Mm. And like in theory, yeah, you should probably kill a, G a lictor with a broadside, you know, with the SMS and the other thing. But if your SMS doesn't kill him, then you probably won't because I'll just go to ground and have a two up against your missiles. So what happened was that he split too much and basically left all these lictors with one wound left. And then I have all these lictors with one wound left, so they're not dead. So then they start assaulting Tau, and that's not good for Tau. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, the next turn I put a, the Moloch that had landed, ran in and charged the the full broadside unit and so I mean they'll never get out of that combat um, and then Lictor started charging his commander and his commander's unit and I think hit and run was the one rule he didn't have on his Batman <laughs> so um, they're stuck there with the with the Lictors that's why it's important um, obviously it was really important in the old uh, with the old uh, Vesa star because you need to get them out of dodge, but it's still important for those. Uh, yeah, if, I mean, if you're taking everything else, I mean, what is it like five points? Ten yeah, it's, points? It's not a lot. It's yeah, not. I know. I know for a fact his list had to hit and run 
because I uh, I basically wrote his list for him, but <laughs> maybe he didn't use it. I mean, it was a, it's a more or less it was a adaptation of the Russian ETC list with the uh, tall broadsides that are based around running and all that and Zephyr's yeah. Grace. But yeah. uh, I don't know. I don't know what happened there. Did he have it on the on the commander then and just didn't use it? Or he might have. I, I know. Yeah, I know he had it on the commander. I just I don't know if he forgot it or not. Well, that's that's a big mistake. Um, yeah. <clears throat> okay. Uh, so in the end, how did you finish up? I tabled him. Yeah. Five turns maximum. Cool. Yeah, maximum. Lovely jubbly. Um, <clears throat> so Jesse, now you're back from your rules dispute All on right. your games evening. Yes, I am back from the. <laughs> Answering a question and then breaking Sean's interview by my mic somehow magically unmuting it through three different. So let's see if I can do this quickly. Uh, I played actually against Luke, uh, I believe his name is, from uh, Forge and that one list, uh, Forge the Narrative, uh, Mm -hmm. the the podcast, uh, I believe they're based out of Tennessee. But uh, Kenny Boucher from Next Level Gaming, Rob yeah, no, Bear. I, I, I listen to those guys regularly. I just don't remember Luke. Yeah, he's he's one of their he's one of their guys. Um, I'm not sure. I think he just got back from being deployed. Okay. So, so I'm playing against him, and that whole man. I really don't want to get matched up against this random list because that racked uh, feeling actually happened in round three. So I'm playing, over, and I go, "Those are four Stormwolves." Wall of Martyrs. I have no way of interacting and killing these things other than two Wraith Knights. So he made me deploy first. I went, okay, really good. You know, this, you know, he's, he's off to a good start. I lost the base roll. And we're going. And I go, okay. So I roll my psychic powers. I take uh, summoning out of Malefic. Then I roll in Divination. And I take just take pressure. He's... he's he looks confused at this point. And then I go Eldar and I take guide. Mm. He's like, okay. And so I have summoning in case I need to summon. But more importantly, you know, I'm, I'm going with my only way of interacting in this game because they're not playing with serious objectives is get lucky on Wraith Knight shooting. I need twin link to get as lucky yep. as possible. Yeah. Uh, so basically what ends up happening, I deploy, he deploys and he goes, okay, I want to go first. And I went, what? And he's like, yeah, I want to go first. I was like, well, this isn't 7th edition de- deployment. Let alone that's not how it works at 7th. He was like, oh, I really thought it was. And I was like, no, nah, I mean, if you want to go first, like, you know, he's like, are you sure? So I called the over and he was like, yeah, it's not 6th edition. And it's 7th edition, whoever deploys first chooses who goes first. Mm. He's like, oh, man, I really, I really wish. I'm like, if you want to go first, you go first. He's like, well, you can redeploy it. I'm like, you have a wall of martyrs. We're playing like Hammer and Anvil. The wall of martyrs is literally on the back table edge. Behind on our table, the the for whatever reason, the line of sight block here that was in the middle mm. ended up getting switched to the corner. So he had a Nova line of sight blocker, giant LOS blocker in the back corner. So he had a wall of martyrs behind it. And I went, <laughs> it's not going to change my deployment at all. Like there's nothing I could do. So turn one comes and goes. You know, nothing happens. Uh, turn two, his fly, all four of his flyers come in. He shoots, it causes a single hole point and a wound on a Wraith Knight. I proceed to psychic up, shoot at his uh, Stormwolf with his Warlord in it. He also has a Stormwolf with uh, uh, 
Calidus Assassin or Collexus Assassin, the anti psycho okay, one. Okay, the Collexus, yeah. Yeah, which I give I give zero sh- shits about because I have a Farseer and I'm on a jet bike, so I could just get out of its bubble at any point. Yeah, easily. Yeah. Um so I really don't care about it. And so I go choose to ignore that. He makes his warlord Arjak. So Arjak is in a unit of Thunderhammer Storm Shield Terminators okay. with uh Yorick in there. And so you're preferred enemy bubble. He's using it to try to get wounds on the Wraith Knights and Lord from his flyers. And, you know, he causes a single wound. I shoot back. My one Wraith Knight, my last two shots hit the thing. He fails his jinx saves. I blow it up. It crashes. He loses two. He only loses two Terminators in the explosion. Okay. And then I proceed to pummel him with three, with three uh, Imperial Knights. My big thing that I did, though, was that I as soon as he flew in, he flew in like 24 inches up. And I had moved back on turn one and just to make sure he couldn't get me in melter range. Uh, actually, he moved, he flew his full 36 inches up rather. So I moved back to make sure he couldn't get me in melter range. As soon as he moved, he, he flew in, flew up his full 36. I just moved up to basically go, well, it's gonna, you're going to waste two or three turns flying around the board to try to get shots off on me again, or you're going to go into hover mode, at which point I kill you. So I, I move forward. I kill, I kill this. I lay all three Imperial Knights with the Melted Cannons and all that in. Stubbers. Finally, my Battle Cannons, two Stubbers, the first things I shoot, manage to cause three wounds, and he fails three two-up saves. And Arjak drops, and another Terminator dies. <laughs> so he's kind of – he's a little bit on tilt at this point. Yeah. Uh, he, he proceeds to fly, fly over, and all he can really do at this point is shoot his – his frost cannons at me, uh, at my wraith knight. So I'm like, okay, my my one wraith knight throughout the course of the game, the one I actually borrowed from Opie, uh, actually uh, actually hit 50% of its shots every turn, without prescience. Okay. Yeah. So he he was a champ. So I was just hitting for some of the jank stuff like that, and I, I proceed to. To move my, my jet bikes coming from reserves, I, I protect my jet bikes, but I move my Farseer out and I leave them in the open. Like behind a ruin as if I'm basically I'm going, hey, look, I'm trying to hide this guy, but I just quickly moved and you can e- get easy shots off on him with instant death weapons. So he did that. He moved all three of his flyers over to try to get shots off with the frost cannon. And he killed my Farseer, but it left him in a position that he could either... He can either make his 90-degree turn and go all the way down, down his board edge and just try to start turning around again, or he had to fly off the table or go into hover mode. And at this point, turn four, so he's like, well, I can't fly off the table because I'll never get in, never get to the objectives, things like that. Hmm. With where they were placed, he's like, I can't fly off the table. I can't really afford to go downfield because he's, he's basically turning towards a one-point objective. He's like, okay... So I'm going to go into hover mode. So it did exactly what I wanted. The, the Farseer was doing nothing for me in the match. I wasn't going to summon against him because I didn't need to. I was, I was basically castled on three points worth of objectives with, a, with the other three-pointer really close to get. And, and uh, both twos easily accessible with me having bottom of turn by Eldar jet bikes that were completely hidden. So he goes into hover mode. And that's where my Imperial Knights proceed to just light him up. I kill... I kill all of his, you know, between the Imperial Knights and um, Wraith Knights, I kill all of his flyers. 
I proceed to table him minus the five-man squad sitting in a Walmart or all the way in the back. Like there was just nothing he could really do. I got into combat with a Calexus assassin with a with a Wraith Knight, and eventually, I think it stayed in the combat because he made he made like eight feel no pain saves over the round or over the course of two turns. Wait, hang on, sorry. But, Why is he getting a feel no pain save? Or uh, invulnerable save. Oh, rather. invulnerable. I was gonna say. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm thinking four up save and four yeah. up reason. I still think it's it's fifth edition and that's feel no pain. I'm an uh, idiot. But yeah. regardless, he makes all of his invulnerable saves and he's basically left with a five man squad in the back in a wall of mart- martyrs that I ignored because they played no part in the game other than having a comms relay. Yeah. And once all of his things were on the board, they were completely worthless to me. And he had a Collexus assassin that was locked in combat with a Wraith Knight, it couldn't hurt. And I was holding a three point objective. With the race night, and he he wasn't contesting, so he was left with that. You know, it was uh, pretty much a wham bam uh, game, and it uh, you know it, it worked out a lot better than I expected. Like when I showed up to the table, I was kind of like, all right, I gotta I gotta play this really clean because I can't interact. And I lost a dice roll, and I went, this is going to be really hard. And even if I didn't lose a dice, like even if I won the dice roll, and I I was going uh, first. He's still in a pretty good spot because he can go into hover mode. And then I have to kill his flyer. Like on, on turn five, you can go into hover mode, get on objectives. And I have to kill his flyers yeah. and then kill the objective secured squad that comes out of them. Because I'm, I'm not, I don't have a lot of objective secured. So I figured, okay, I'm still not in a great spot. I got to play really clean and I got to hope I get some lucky breaks. I got some lucky breaks. He failed some saves and uh, it just kind of spiraled. Like I got lucky early. Mm-hmm. And because I got lucky early, I was able to do some risky things. Like I got first blood. Because I was like, okay, he's probably not really, you know, jet bikes are his way of getting first blood. But in order to get to first blood, like I could be super protective of him with line of sight blockers, things like that. And since he's in flyers, it dictates where he goes. If he wants to get first blood, he wants to get that secondary, and he wants to go and get it, I will take that trade to the point where I can now, you know, I can now play the game. Yeah. So I was like, oh, you know, doing things like that. Same thing I did with the first year. Once I got first blood, I went, you know, on turn two when I got first blood warlord out of sheer luck. Uh, of killing the flyer, I went, well, you know, now I can throw things away to try to force his hand. And it worked out really well in my favor. Like, you know, when he decided to go into hover mode to, or make that turn and put himself right up on the board edge to try to kill my my Farseer, I was like, okay, this, this kind of locks the game down for me because he's just in a terrible spot. He has no play other than to go in hover mode. Otherwise, he just gives me the game on a silver platter and he really hasn't done anything. So... I, I lucked out with being able to do things like that. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed that you know dropping that early storm off definitely helped. Um, exactly, like you know, it was it was pure luck dropping the storm off, and because of that, it was you know. I, I, I like was, that I was, the, the auric bubble. The I like that. I like that. That's that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the, the uh, super sharp shooting uh, race night that you had as well. Um, definitely helped. Yeah, so I was I was a lot uh, like when I when I saw him show up at the table, I was really scared because like oh man, you know four twin link las cannons, four hellfrost cannons, and four twin link multi melters, and then he didn't have he only had two twin link multi melters and two heavy bolters. I was like okay, at least I don't have to worry that much. And he also happened to make the one multi melter uh, one his warlord, so it was like well there's a double target for me. You know I got to kill it because there's a multi melter. And I need to kill it because there's your warlords. So I was I was a really scared showing up to the table, 
like I said, got lucky and uh, I was able to capitalize and, and make some make some of my my better plays of the weekend, I would I want to say. Because nine or ten times my games were you don't have an answer for Imperial Knights. I rolled a six. This game is kind of rubber. Sorry. Mm. So. Um, so what was the uh, final score for you? I maxed. Maxed again. Yes. I maxed. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I maxed in almost in, in, in all three of my day one games. So I'm looking forward to when we get to day two and you punt the GT again because this sounds like it's going. Far I did too not. Well. I did not the GT, we'll sir. See. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> um, so we're into day two. Uh, you guys are both top bracket, obviously. Um, Sean, how did your day start? Uh, my day started with. Uh, a Space Wolves IG list. Okay. And, um, like I mentioned before, it's an army builder printout, so I space out. It's also guard, which I kind of space out about. Like, yeah. I buy most of the codexes. Like, I think a lot of us tournament players either buy them or, you know, rip them offline and read them all. Guard has been the codex that I don't read for like two editions now because I just don't, I just don't know why. But like, I have no interest in playing them. Mm. So then I really just don't care. And like, <laughs> to me, they're so like, cookie cutter at a certain point that like yeah. <laughs> like I just like never read about him so I'm like so I was just like space when he goes through guard lists but um you know it was Space Wolves main because he was doing the whole three drop pod, three empty drop pod thing okay he was putting this company command squad in it his platoon command squad in it and a special weapon squad in it mm. so like to, for cheaper deep striking melta Mm. And like you'd get like four meltas, you had like four meltas, four meltas, four flamers, um, in pods. And then he had uh, two five man gray hunter squads in pods with like a melted gun each. And then I think the crux of this list was it was also like a summoning list, too. Okay. Because he had two rune priests that rolled summoning, mm. and then he had two primers psychers. Is that what the guard things are? Yeah. The independent characters? Yeah, the Primaris. Yeah. Yeah. So you had two of those guys, and they rolled Divination. Um, and then he had he had one in, he had like the Psyker you can buy for like your company command squad too, just for an extra power dice. Warp charge, yeah. Yeah, for warp charge. And um, yeah, so I think he had like, what? what is that? Two, four, nine, something like that. Power dice. Okay, so he he bumped the rune priests up as well. Yeah, I think they were two two power yeah. power twos or Level something. Twos. Okay, I would assume. I think he said he had some amount of dice. It was more than me. I had four. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, he had two wyverns in a squadron. Yeah, he had two iron priests on thunderwolves. Okay, and the two iron priests, the two psychers, the Astra Priest, the one that has the battle hymns to reroll saves in combat and such things. Okay, yeah, the the yeah the priest, yeah. So he had all those and his warlord rune priest in a fifty man conscript squad. <laughs> okay. And he wrapped that around his three chimeras that had his platoons in them, um, with last cannon teams in each platoon. Yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah, and then the drop pods. And then so, the rune priest yeah. was in, with one of the drop pods with the other rune priest was in the drop pod with 
I think the special weapon team. Oh, some right. else. Yeah. Um, so what was the mission? And this is the only mission I played alternate because it was table quarters. Okay. And your options were score table quarters at the end of the game based on points and quarters. And I was like, well, I got a lot of stuff. I mean, I could do that, I guess. But the alternate was score points per turn based on who had more units in quarters. And I was like, well, I've got 20 units. That seems pretty good. So I was like, I'll do that. <laughs> Cause, uh, but he also had a lot of units and was planning to summon more. But he also did alternate. So we were both playing the same mission this time. Okay. And now, uh, what are you what are you particularly looking out for here? Um, anything that leapt out at you immediately? Um, well, I wanted to get rid of the wyverns at a certain point because uh, ignores cover shred. Yeah, mm. lots of templates. Yeah. Um, I was looking to do stuff to the blob. You know, if I could, but not like, maybe not engage it directly. I mean, is is it worth bringing up the Morlocks in the middle of that, or the Morlocks? Yeah, I mean, that was my intention to yeah. get them in positions where I could Moloch key pieces, because like a lot of those characters either have no invul. Yeah, actually, none of them have invuls. Mm. Yeah, none of them have Rune, rune Priest Stone, Iron Priest Stone. Um, yeah, they actually both have rune. Uh, well, the Iron Priest have rune karma, so they get a six up. Yeah. Um, I mean, he did have the four up invul psychic power. Yeah. So like, it wasn't like a guarantee, but I was like basically thinking if at any point that power wasn't there, I might go That's for like time. Yeah. He drops, especially on the psychers because they're T three. I could if the Moloch lands on them. Yeah. Probably gonna die even if because all they have to fail is like one lookout, sir, and they're dead. Mm. Um. So, but I mean, obviously, if the options weren't there, I wasn't going to stress about it too much. To me, it was more about mm, killing his mobility, so that Chimeras and killing his super long range into infantry in the in terms of the uh, Wyverns, because okay. if we're playing quarters and you got to get into different quarters, hey. if the Chimeras are dead, then those squads are basically stuck in whatever quarter they're already in. Yeah. Um, so that was my goal. And then I chose to go first in order to start doing that and also in order to score first I think it was because in the alternate when you're doing the alternate I think going first means you're in a better position to score versus when you're doing the primary I think you go second to score last and it's also nice to be able to get your hive tyrants up in the air as well against that list yeah There's a fair about shooting there as well. yeah um yeah, so I deployed the Flyerns because I could put them behind the Bastion and the Wyverns. I mean, the Wyverns could kill them, mm. but not like super likely. Mm. Plus, I actually don't even know the range of Wyverns. Are they like 48? Like 48, yeah. So I might have been out of range too, so that really probably okay. didn't even matter. But um, I also deployed all three Molochs in this mission. Okay. I deployed Gene Stealers in the Bastion and I deployed Death Leaper. And, How uh, many um, tyrants can you hide behind that bastion, realistically? Both of them. Yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, again, it depends on other terrain on the board because, like, I usually put it so, like, you know, if like the line of sight blockers in the middle create a wall, if you put the bastion at the edge of that wall, yeah. So you get more. Yeah. Okay. Based on not like actually touching the edge, but like if you're like looking from your opponent's deployment zone, it creates basically a full wall. 
Yeah. And it depends on the angle. And because we're playing Vanguard, so the angles are pretty good that you can't really see them. Cool. All right. Yeah. So, but I deployed the Molochs because if he did seize and drop the pods in with all that Melta, he could drop in, you know, and kill a flyer in, in theory, but then he's dead, you know? Yeah. Because the Moloch's right there. Yeah. Um, that was my plan, yeah. <laughs> and so he didn't seize, so I flew up and I killed two Chimeras. Because that's what, that's what Flyrens do. Yeah. And um, it actually cost him two last cannon teams because um, his conscript blob that was spread out and around everything was like too close to the back oh, door. Oh, so he couldn't get out. Okay. So the, the last cannons couldn't physically get out. Mm. And so like he got a little mad at me about that. But I was like... Oh, it's his own sorry. fault, man. Like... But um, yeah. So then he comes in with the with the pods, and he brings all the IG pods in for those meltas. And I and because I guess IG have that order to ignore cover. Yeah. So he comes in and goes after one of my Molochs. With and so he gives the order, and the first squad passes, and the second squad, he's like, "Oh, they pass." And I'm like, "Nope, you're 12 inches from Death Leaper. You fail." And he's like, "What?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yep, <laughs> minus one." And so he only gets half of them to ignore cover, so the Moloch lived. It has two wounds left. Um, so that was nice, because then it ate a Rune Priest with Death Leaper's help on my turn, too. Um, but then, like, basically what happened the first couple turns is we would look at each other and be like, oh, I've got this quarter, and then we'd count how many units were in it, and they'd be like, nope, it's tied. And I'm like, oh, right, well, I've got this quarter, and be like, nope same amount of units or I've got more this turn so you don't get any points and so like the first couple of turns none of us scored points okay because his turn one involved shooting everything out of flyer and to try and ground it and not grounding it um and obviously the shooting the Moloch and not killing it so then turn two I'm starting to think quarters for turn Turn two, I don't score anything, so now I'm having to think, okay, what can I score next turn? i got to score turn three. Mm. And um, the one Moloch that was injured has, stays on the board to kill those guys. The other two Molochs burrow, because you can't burrow in turn t until turn two now. Um, yeah. So those burrow to wait for the next turn, and I get like six lictors in, six, seven lictors this turn, and I put... I think I put five of them be right behind the wyverns to shoot them. And I knock them both down to one hull point because they're a squadron and I was spread. So they each have one hull point left, but one of them is shaken, so it can't shoot the blasts. Mm. So they're, they're nerfed a little bit. And the two gene stealer units come in on that side too, um, up in his deployment zone. And... Uh, the next turn, he's like, oh, I score my home quarter. And I'm like, no, you don't. I have eight units in your quarter. And he's like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and um, he moves the conscript blob back. But they've been, they're spread across basically the whole width of the board almost. Like the whole of his Vanguard deployment, they're almost the whole thing. Hmm. So he starts to come back with them, and he actually assaults the Gene Stealers. He shoots one squad of Gene Stealers with this blob. But none of his characters can get in the fight. The Gene Stealers swing first and kill a couple of guardsmen, and then actually 
don't lose combat. He only kills one gene stealer. So I'm like, oh, and they weren't fearless or anything. So, but like only a couple of guardsmen fought him. And obviously since gene stealers have like weapon skill six and nonsense, yeah, you know, it's hard, it's hard to hit him. So he kills one gene stealer and consolidates this whole blob. So now like we're every turn, we're basically spending time piling in and then consolidating with this blob starting turn two and on, which, um, I know since I play B-Star makes the game slow down. And um, the next turn we go, we calculate and uh, he brings a pot in and he actually shoots uh, a lictor who goes, who is in a ruin. So he has a three up, so he doesn't care. And so that's five Marines sitting there in my next turn, a Moloch, you know, just takes the Marines out. Um, the other Mollocks, I try to do, like I said before, go after the characters in the blob, but I scatter and I don't hit, I, I, I don't hit them. Mm. But, uh, he's had to separate now characters because the GT was ruling that once a character joins a unit, it's part of the unit for all purposes, which is what independent character rule states. So in terms of counting how many units were in quarters, if the characters were attached to the unit, they didn't count as two units. It was one okay. unit. Okay, that's interesting. So, um, which is, I mean, it's pretty raw. Yeah. It was hurting him in this situation because now he's like, oh, you've got eight lictors in this, or <laughs> six lictors, two gene stealers in this, this this area, and I've only got one unit plus like two guardsmen units. I'm down by a lot. So he had to separate characters before he charged so that the next turn he could at least get close to having the same amount of units and so to stop me from scoring. But um and he had sent a rune priest off to the right, which ended up the next turn when we counted how many units he had left, I actually had more more than him. So I actually the next turn I scored three. And um which is the max you could score per turn. And we're looking at the board and now his units start to dwindle and his mobility starts to dwindle because it's basically pods and every unit that's gotten out of the pod is dead because the flyers have been flying around shooting them. And then even in his home quarter where he started, now I have a majority of, I have more units than him. So I'm scoring that one. I'm scoring my home one because the only unit he has left in there are like two pods and some summoned plague drones and, um, which had scattered and mishapped and I put them in the deepest corner of the board. Um, so, we're looking at the, the board and every turn I'm going to score three and he's going to score zero. So, I mean, it doesn't matter how long this game goes, but it, I, I, I'm going to win because he's not going to score any points. And the lictors all charge the wyverns and finish them off. And so he's sitting there and the flyers have flown over. So now the gene stealers are fearless and they're on the edge of this conscript blob and they're just fighting guardsmen. And then finally an iron priest is starting to swing at them, but they're fearless. And, the bulk of his points and his army are now either dead or stuck in a combat that I can just keep pouring units into far end zones of it that can keep them fearless that he can't, he can't ever get out of it. So, Mm. um, yeah, he, uh, and then as we started to run out of time, he's like, well, I can never catch you in points. And I'm like, yeah, I know. So we, we called it eventually. Um, so did you end up uh, maxing that out or? No, I think, I think I finished with like 11, 12 or something like that. Cool. All right. Uh, Jesse, are you there? 
I am. I was just removing my mute. Cool, bro. Um, so your game four, make it a quick one. <laughs> so, oh, make it make it quick. Okay, I, I won. <laughs> Not that quick. <laughs> All right. So game four, I was playing against Matt Shuckman. Uh, Matt Shuckman is a regular GT player, uh, consistently top rackets, uh, most events, or, you know, ends in the top percentile. Yeah. Uh, so it does fairly well. We play Sierra Council. Um, you know, me and him play. I've played in every single GT we've played against each other. We've both been in, uh, minus Adepticon. Uh, so anyway, we're playing. It's as we just went over table quarters. I chose standard table quarters. So did uh, Shuckman. He was playing triple uh, Wraith Knight, uh, Seer Council, uh, without the Baron this time. So he had an extra Far Seer in there, and. Uh, you know, we played it at BFS. He still had the Baron because they allowed old old Dark Elder at the time. And, uh, you know, we played. He found out that three Imperial Knights and two Wraith Knights actually outshoots three Wraith Knights. So he played super defensively, very passive the entire game. Uh, first Blood actually wasn't had until he finally drug down a Wraith Knight on turn, like, three. Mm. Uh, you know, he, he kept just turboing up or running up. Cast inside shriek, or you know something of the sort, and then turbo him back. Uh, you know his wraith knights were firing. It was a very it was a very static game. Uh, came down to on turn five and six, I would have lost two table quarters to uh, two table quarters to two table quarters and secondaries. We both would have had line breaker. He had first blood. I did not have. Uh, I took last laugh. And it basically came down to if he hit his units well enough, he would win first blood to my last to me not having last laugh. Turns five, I actually get last laugh. Game doesn't end. We would have drawn. He would have had me beat on victory points though, because I had only killed some jet bikes and he killed two wraith knights. Turn six, so game goes on. Then turn six, uh, he moves his lord of change that he summoned from his council over into my table quarter. My one table quarter, I'm holding with an imperial knight. Summons a, uh, an Imperial Knight and a unit of Pink Horrors. He summons a unit of Pink Horrors and just assumes he has a Table Quarter 1. But he perils, he grounds. I proceed to kill his Lord of Change. And the whole time, the, the, basically what the game came down to was he had two Table Quarters, one of which had the Seer Council on it, one had three Wraith Knights. Yeah. And he, he didn't do the math. He just assumed three Wraith Knights beat two Imperial Knights for points cost. When all he had to do, because he was... He was on the, the table edge or on the table quarter line. All he had to do was jump one Wraith Knight over and jump his and just move his Seer Council into the other table quarter to just secure the game no matter what. He didn't, so I moved my, my one Imperial Knight into the table quarter, came down to it. I needed to roll um, a, a four inch run on my other Imperial Knight to get it into wholly into the table quarter so it wouldn't randomize. Yeah. And that's where the plus one to run and charge Warlord trait came in handy because it meant I only needed to roll a three plus. I managed to still only roll a one, so on turn seven it came down to a, to a dice off to see if I was in his table quarter. I won the dice off to randomize. I was in his table quarter. It ended up going from me losing on five and six to me max point uh, winning because I had three table quarters to his one. So that was basically how, how that that some that came down, and it was because I you know I, I got a good run, and then or not I didn't get a good run, but I got a good randomized result for which table quarter I was in since I was equally split, uh, and it was all because you know he was he was confident that he had to game one regardless because we didn't engage. 
I killed a single model out of his Sierra Council. I'd put, he actually killed more of his own models out of his Sierra Council apparels than I did. Uh, I think he killed two total, and I killed one. And uh, his Wraith Knight stayed at full wounds because he just kept renewing them back up. But I ended up getting that win and uh, squeezing through, so not, I now have four max points. Good stuff. Um, let's get into the next round. Um, so this is round five, I believe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. Jesse, let's lead off with you again. So this is my, my great sad moment. So round five, I'm playing Ian, the gentleman that uh, Sean played round one. Uh, we're playing Scouring. He we chooses to go first. He, what was that? Or I'm sorry, played round six. Yeah. But uh, we are playing. Uh, he goes, he goes alternate. I go primary. He takes Warlord. Now in this game, my Warlord has it will not die. I'm an adamantium lance. I have a three up rerollable. He deep strikes in his his trueborn with blasters. Does nothing. One of them scatters, so I get a cover save against it. Uh, so you know he really does. He really doesn't do much. I actually at the end of the game, you know, I I kind of bullied him with Imperial Knights. He really had no no good answers to him. Uh, at the end of the game, he ended up having two Trueborn with with blasters, a Ravager with a single Dark Lance left, and then a unit of five Warriors holding an objective. Um, on hit top of five, he needs to kill my Warlord to win the game. Top of five, he shoots at my Warlord with a three-plus rerollable and vulnerable save. Gets two pens. I foul both saves. He then proceeds to two-shot my Warlord with two explode results. Uh, if the game ends on five, I have it won still because I'm, I'm sitting on objectives. Game goes on to six. I have to pass a single four-up and vulnerable save. <laughs> and not lose two hull points on my last or, or my other Imperial Knight. I fail that. It explodes on turn six. If the game ends there, I still win. And the game goes to seven. And there's unfortunately at that point, there's no way I can I can equal the amount of because he will tick up to not he will tick up one last time. Mm. Have a good one. And so there's no way I can actually hold it. So since the game continued on six, we called it. Uh, I ended up getting, he ended up getting a 14-13 victory. Wow. So my one, my one loss was two points off of Max. Or my first loss, I should say. That's tough, man. <laughs> That's yep. tough. So not exactly punting. I just decided not to roll dice at the end of the game. Yeah, fumbled. <laughs> fumbled at fourth and goal, I think. There you go. I fumbled at fourth and goal. Okay. Um, Sean, obviously, uh, we, we know the end result, so uh, your, your fifth round must have been a bit more satisfying than, than Jesse's, unfortunately, uh, for him. Uh, it was slightly more satisfying. Yeah. It was very, very tight. I was actually playing my buddy, Eric Hoger. Okay. I was rooming with, and we're on ATC team together with, and so he's got, you know, inside info. He knows, he knows he, what this he, list is doing before. He, he knows that he's not look away and laugh at the start of the game. You know? <laughs> he knows what Molochs are doing. He's playing bike marines with white scars and Thunderwolf allies, and he's got two Storm Talons. Um, mm. He's got lots of tools. We're both playing end-of-the-game relic, or not relic, uh, scouring. Yeah. We basically, uh, in, I don't know, 
I th- and this game meant more to us than actually winning the event because basically whichever one of us was going to win heads up was going to move ahead of the other one in terms of making it onto the American ETC team. Okay. Uh, so we, we actually cared more about this game than any games afterwards. <laughs> um, so I think the moment got to us a lot. You know, so I was being way less aggressive than I normally am. Mm. He was being extra, extra careful with movement and making sure he was on like two inch space so the Mollocks don't kill his bike squads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. Led, led to me being like, Eric, you're three inch spaced. <laughs> He's like, oh, yeah. I was like, come on, you got to give me a chance to kill you. With <laughs> but uh, no, so we, you know, both of us were really, I like, I think going back that if I had played a lot more aggressive, the game wouldn't have been as close. But um, I did some things that I was just like, wow, why did I do that? But basically the game ends and we each end up holding our home objectives at the end of the game is what it turns out to be. Yeah. Like last, the final turn, I actually had to drop a Moloch back on my home objective versus killing things with it because I needed the game was going to end and uh, <laughs> I needed to score the points. So, and then we start totaling like secondaries and kill points and we had to total them like three or four times to get... The, the total correct and he was playing kill points secondary and we end up tied on kill points and so he doesn't score it and then we do so we have the same amount of objectives we have the same amount of secondaries it's nine to nine it's it's tied all the way down and then i've got 830 victory points and he's got 810 <laughs> So like uh, I like basically he lost, like, he lost by a cyber wolf and a melter bomb. Yeah, like we it's it's it was it was that it was that close and um yeah so like uh it was it was tough you know like we both were like wow like even his last turn he he charged a uh, single lictor when he could have charged a couple of units and gone for like the triple kill you know and but we were just like the last turn we were rushing it the time is running out they've told us that. Um, on day two, that time is going to be a big factor because they have to close the the venue is going to close at a certain point. Okay, so and I mean it's understandable that time's a factor because you want to play, um, you know, especially against your list. And you're saying about the spacing everything out. It's it just makes your movement so important. Yeah. So you can't just be like, okay, well that that's moved forward twelve inches. So I'm just going to shuff everything forward behind it, and that's what. No, you need to you need to get that space. Anything that's Ignoring armor and ignoring cover, and as a blast, you, you need to make sure that you're oh, moving at some absolutely. point. So, and, and that's understandable, um, you know. And you're, yeah, not and playing, like said, you're not playing ETC with four-hour rounds. So, yeah, yeah. If uh, yeah, so we ended up actually playing through our lunch too. It was, it was yeah. a strange lunch after second round versus first round. So, like, we even had extra time to to move in a little bit more than any other round. So, like, we played as much as we could, but then, like I said, it was so close, just twenty points and. So I get, I get, I get to move on to the championship, and he gets to play Jesse. <laughs> that's that's probably even more more disheartening than uh, losing the game. I think having to yeah, that you have to play Jesse, having to spend three hours with Jesse. Terrible. No, no, you don't have to play three hours with Jesse. He only plays. Oh, that's 40. right. Sorry, sorry. Having to spend twenty to thirty minutes with Jesse. That's that's long enough for anybody. I think. Yeah, you can either no, table twenty it or you to lose. thirty minutes, of which fifteen minutes is my opponent usually deploying. <laughs> so we we don't we only have to interact for like ten minutes of a game. I need to start being a bit nicer to you, Jesse. I'm a bit mean. I'm sorry. I do apologize. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't worry. I come from a group of T 
TJ, you suck. <laughs> uh, I come from a group where we all berate each other, but we all love each other. Exactly. It's him. done. It's done from. He's, it's done from a loving place, Jesse. It's done from a loving. He's place. he's my he's my little my little plump munchkin lover. But yeah, so Jesse <laughs> had been promising me all day that I couldn't beat the Lance, but he didn't hold his part of the bargain to make yeah. it into that that top spot to play me. So I I really wanted the internet's head to explode, Sean. And I you know, I didn't I didn't want the I didn't want to just hear the I'm a whack player and I ruin everything. So I you know I just I just toss it for you. Just you don't tell anybody. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, I I, I talk I tossed it to Lichtersham. I wanted to see the bugs do well. I, I promise that's what happened. Okay. That's well, well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that would have been a bit of a shit fucking anticlimax. You know what I mean? Like, oh, the Lichters get all the way to the to the top table round six. Oh, you just get you get stomped out. I'm sure. I'm sure you'd have rolled a few sixes as well, Jesse. Well, that's what I told Jesse. I was like, I was like, my be- my my list can kill the lance. All I gotta do is roll sixes. I mean, that's your whole strategy. Why can't I do it? <laughs> well, for your information, at this tournament, I think I only rolled like three times where sixes actually mattered. I very rarely rolled sixes. Unlike BFS, where I charge a plague drone star and I go, and here's a fistful of sixes, just remove the whole star. Yeah. Uh, it's a screamer star. Here's a fistful of sixes, remove the whole star. Uh, it's Bellacore, three demon princes. Here's some sixes. Remove them. Thanks. Come again. Yeah, it's a but that you, was literally my BFS run. But you did lose to Eric then in this final final, right? Yes, I lost fifteen to thirteen. So in our final game, it was Relic. Okay. I uh, I cho- I chose to go first. He got first blood, um, even though I went first because of his jinx saves. I wanted to, my whole game plan was get the Relic, jump it back. With a unit of jet bikes, so that I could I could get the relic, jump it back, secure it, and now basically just park an imperial knight on it and go. You have to kill me in close combat. Let's do this. Yeah. Uh, he actually seized on me, killed my unit of jet bikes. I shot back, uh, didn't do much. I charged him. I killed like at the end. It was a it was a really quick game. Like we you know we yeah me and Eric were both teammates. Um, you know, we were just bullshitting the whole time. We were kind of, you know, I was I was glancing back to see how Sean was doing because uh, I was actually, at this point, I was invested in Sean winning because I didn't have to play him and I didn't want the guy I lost to to win just because I wanted I wanted to see Lickers legitimately win the event, even though I let him get there out of the kindness of my heart. <laughs> my, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. I got to I gotta grasp at something here. That's the narrative. So we're playing. Uh it basically the ga- the game goes kind of kind of quickly. Uh, he you know he he kills my wraith knights with grav. Go figure. I hear grav's pretty good at killing wraith knights. Uh, I assault and kill him in close combat. Even though he's three up and vulnerable save characters, you know sixes do that. Uh, his one his one uh, wolf pre or wolf lord or something charged in and I I hit him with a six. So I caused d six plus six no save. Um, his iron priest, I you know, I got through their six up and vulnerable save and just D three wounded them out. Mm. So it kind of played the way I expected. Um towards the end of the game, I really need to get linebreaker and and stop him from holding his objectives. So on turn four, I summoned I ran my Farseer all the way across the table and I possessioned a great unclean one and took a Bal Sword. 
and went, that's a cute server that you got there. Here's my great unclean one. Let's see who wins. Needless to say, the answer is not a servitor. I also, so he had two 10-point servitors. I just want to say, a great unclean one with a bellsword and an imperial knight charged and killed both of them. That's what was required. Yeah, at the I mean, end of the I, game, I, played, I had to kill him too, and he said, "He." And then they they were the two easy kill points I picked up, and he was like, "Yeah, the servitors are really hurting my list," and I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. they're kill points." <laughs> I'm yeah, they're really they're good just... for being able. I mean, they're really good in this playstyle. Like his whole playstyle is speed, skirt around the edges, mm-hmm. stuff like that, and they kind of give him that that ability to devote his whole army to that. But at the end of the day, if you kill them, you kill them. Like. I, you know, I let him tick up. He played tick ups. He did tick them up before I could really get back there and deal with them. Uh, because I did send a unit of jet bikes back early to get them on like turn two when they came in. And then his storm, his storm talon shot four assault cannons, four rends, and through my jink just killed them. I was like, oh, well, there goes a unit of jet bikes. So uh, I eventually killed them. He ticked up. I held the relic in his two objectives, he held my two home objectives. And you, we so we basically swapped table ends, and I I lost uh, fifteen thirteen. Cool. Which which was nice though because Sean actually did all the heavy lifting for me in this tournament. And that's kind of the reason I was uh I was cheering for Sean the most. Hmm. So what ended up happening is I maxed four out of my six games, and I got near I got still got near max points. And both the both other guys in the running happened to be two guys that Sean played, and Sean dream crushed them both. You know, so Sean, Sean T, like, you know, Sean was, Sean was the hero of my tournament. So, cause I, I can't, I couldn't do it myself. So I appreciate it. Living vicariously through. Yeah. I mean, and, but sometimes that's, that's the nature of the beast when, when you're dealing with battle points, you know, it's like, if you lose, you're cheering for somebody else who's higher up that, you know, is going to win the event or you think is going to win the event to kind of dream crush and knock somebody out. Mm. So, I mean, I was in I was in a really good place with getting what forty five, uh, and then thir- uh, thirteen of uh, twelve respectively. So, I was sitting at like you know sixty five uh, battle points at the end of round five. Mm. So I was like right there. You know, there was there was uh, the closest person was actually Ian, the guy I lost to was at sixty seven battle points. And then I think Hoger was at like 63. So I was actually second in battle points at that point. So it was kind of a hope and a prayer after my game with uh, Eric. Okay. Um, So, uh, Sean, do you want to tell us how you closed it out? Yeah, so uh, the Dark Elder list that made the top table, um, I really liked it. It was a... a it seemed powerful to me. Um, so was this new, new, new Dark Eldar? I guess. New Dark Eldar. Okay. Um, he had the Coven formation for yeah. two uh, units of grotesques and Urian. Um, okay. So, so they would get the special like drug rolls or something like that, mm. and the special power from pain chart. Yeah. And uh, those were in raiders. Two four man units in raiders. One had Urian. And then one had his succubus from his um, main detachment. Mm. And so he had a succubus with uh, some war gear. 
stuff that does things. And <laughs> I think it was like close combat weapons and okay. mostly uh, haywire grenade probably. Um, a lot of the Dark Elder stuff doesn't really interact with Tyranids because it's like haywire is anti-vehicle and we don't have any. Um, well, they do have quite a lot of poisonous shit that kills on instant. Yeah, damage, so then he had, he had uh, six Venoms. Yeah. Four with Warriors, with Blaster, Haywire Sergeant, and uh, Splinter Rifles. Yeah. And then two with Trueborn, which four Blasters and a Splinter Rifle. And then two Ravagers for some more Dark Lances. And, uh, yeah, so I think him and uh, most of the world thought that that's... Now, this this is the end. <laughs> this is the poison. This is what, this is what does it. Yeah. But, um... And it traditionally obviously did before. Um, yeah. But I would say definitely, if, you, if you walk across the board towards Venoms, you're dead. Um, but you've got um, a number of special rules in there. So uh, I'm sure you came up with some, some good answers. What did you, what did you end up doing? Um, well, it was Hammer and Anvil Relic mm-hmm. again. And again, I'm doing score at the end of the game. And he's doing score every turn. And uh, I let him go first, which he was more than happy to do. So he moves up and, uh, you know, he's going to score three points on turn two. There's nothing I can really do to stop it. All I deployed was a unit of rippers, some spore mines, and the two flyrons. And since it's hammer and anvil, I deploy way, way back, you know, so I'm just out of 48-inch range. Because they can move twelve, shoot yeah, thirty-six. Yeah, so, yeah. so no one can get me. So he moves up, and he moves up to where he's more than forty-two inches away, which is twenty-four plus eighteen. Mm-hmm. The Flyrens guns, because it's a little game you have to play with Venoms and Flyrens. Is the Flyrent will kill the Venom, but the Venom can kill Flyrent. So, <laughs> but I had double onslaught, so I can run and then shoot. Ah, powers. So my turn one, I fly them both up, and I go to Onslaught, and I get it off on one, and he denies it on the other. And I'm like, ah, oh, brutal. So I kill one Venom, and, but there's like a Raider in the middle of the board, and the other one shoots that, but doesn't kill it. And I'm like, oh, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> but uh, I upgraded the paper the armor's made out of, clearly. Yeah, clearly. So turn two, he scores three points, and I've killed one Venom. And so he sets up for a gambit to go for my warlord, and uh, well, to go for as many flyers as he can. But he wants the warlord most, obviously, because it's worth the point. Because he was playing first blood linebreaker and warlord, and I had already taken away first blood. So he gets both grotesque units out and puts them as close as he can get them. Um, one closer than the other. One I think has like a four-inch charge to the terrain, and the other one has, like, a eight-inch charge to the terrain to the Warlord, but, like, a four-inch charge to the other flyer. And uh, he shoots everything he can at them both and does nothing to one of them and one wound to the the, flyer, the, the Warlord. And I don't think I'd actually failed a grounding check all day yet. And lo and behold, uh, failed a grounding check. Grotesques get to charge the Flyrant. Uh, Overwatch kills a Grotesque, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> and then I'm looking at, and they all have poison, you know, instant death on sixes. It's three Grotesques and Urien left. 
And I'm like, well, I can attack him, but I only have like what three attacks, four attacks based. So I'm like, well, I guess I might as well go for smash because at least it kills one whenever I hit and wound. So I start smashing them, and I hit, I kill grotesque. Then he attacks me back. He instant death me once, but I pass the save. I pass a bunch of shaves, and so I only lose like one more wound. So the tyrants only lost two wounds. And then, like over the next like several rounds of combat, I smash that whole unit down mm. before the other unit comes and joins the fray, but and finishes me. But it still takes a while, and they actually fail like a four-inch charge through terrain on turn three to come for him. But so like it gives him a little relief to kill the grotesques and kill Urian, which gives me warlord. Um, my turn two, since the spore mines are on the comms, they. Uh, bring in all the lictors, all the Molochs. Um, Molochs start landing on the two Ravagers that are right next to each other. And I roll 6-6, six, six, blow up one of them, stun the other one. Um, the lictors blow up one, two... The lictors blow up two Venoms and force another one to jink. The Flyrant that's still mobile kills another... Venom. So now he's down to one Venom that's full, one Venom that's jinked, uh, two Raiders, and a stunned uh, Ravager. And obviously all the guys that are pouring out of him. And then that's when like the minus one leadership penalty thing starts to really kick into gear because all these Dark Eldar units are taking uh, stun checks because their things got like stunned. So they're taking a stun check to see if they have to just snapshot and they're, they're passing that maybe. And then they're taking pin checks because all the vehicles are destroyed. So he's taking a bunch of leadership checks for each unit. And he's failing like half of them because he's minus one leadership. So like the next turn, like most of his army is snapshotting. A lot of his army can't move and is sitting there like eight inches away from eight lictors. Hmm. So, um, and then the next turn he has no venoms left. By turn three, all the venoms are dead. He has one raider left and the grotesques and a couple of warriors. Um, his grotesques finish off my warlord and then he's looking at the game and he's like, oh, I got to contest the relic. I need to go sit on this thing because uh, I've only scored four points and the relic's worth five. If he gets that, he wins. Yeah. And so like the, our end of the game comes down to can I kill the four grotesques and the succubus is already dead. So their leadership is like four. So I fly up to psychic scream them and <laughs> just lick around. So now their leadership three. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so that happens. And then like four or five lictors and a Moloch charge them to finish them all. Psychic scream so good for that stuff. Yeah. It really, really is. Um, especially, you know, MSU like type of units that you just want to get rid of at the end of the game or, or for Maelstrom and that sort of stuff. Really, really I, I think Psychic Scream is one of the most underrated um, psychic powers floating about. Obviously, yeah. it's very hit-miss. You've got to roll to hit. and you know. No, well, it's, it's actually not quite that because I don't think you have to roll to hit with the Tyranid one. 
Oh, sorry, your one. Yeah, yours is like... I'm, I'm <laughs> I, don't have, I don't have the good one. I've got the, I've got the, got Nova. the Nova. Oh, that's fucking horrible. Listen, I, the first time I played against it, I remember, because I played uh, Gary Percival's on uh, one of our cast members, and um, I <laughs> I grounded I grounded a, um, a hive tyrant with bikes, with marine bikes. And I thought, right, this is my chance, because I fucking hate hive tyrant flying hive tyrants with bikes they're really really irritating because i can't ignore them because they put out so much shots yeah. charged it with like four units of bikes including like um this was this was before the new space Wolf book so that was with the you know the old bear lords super friends mm-hmm. style list and whatever um sure. didn't manage to kill it in the in the first turn so i couldn't get um i couldn't get enough in in base to base and in his turn he's psychic is it shriek yeah, it's something. Yeah, psychic streak. <laughs> and obviously that hits each unit. Yeah. Everything within six. <sighs> it hit it it killed so many models that he wasn't engaged anymore. Then he could just move out of combat and shoot me with twenty devourers as well. It was absolutely brutal, incredibly brutal. A really good power. That's even better than, than I was talking about psychic screen, but yeah, you're the Nid one is incredible. Really, really good. Yeah, whenever I roll it I, I get I get pretty happy. It's got a lot of utility. Really, has yeah, got a lot of utility. Absolutely, because it lets him do some in- infantry damage while still using his guns on vehicles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really good, really good. Um, so, I mean, going into the tournament, did you think that you had a chance of winning with your list? I mean, obviously, everyone goes to the tournament with the hope of winning, but did you realistically think that you were going to uh, come out with this performance? Uh Actually, yes. I told lots of people I was going to win. Um, Good. I like that. I like. I like that. Calling it. I like that. I, uh, that. I actually I posted the list on DACA like two weeks before the, the the event, just hoping like somebody would say that list is terrible, and then when I won, I could look back and be like, "Hey, I posted this." Did anyone uh, fall for the bait? Um, no, nobody. They all like ignored it at the time. Somebody was like, "Oh, you know, hyper oh. MSU, uh, whatever." Or and I was like, okay. But then uh, somebody did comment like afterwards, like, "Oh my god, he posted this list <laughs> two weeks ago, <laughs> and it won. Tyrion's won an event." It was so like Tuesday morning, was I think was when the internet hit the fan, and I was like, it put it just put a smile on my face because like everybody was like freaking out. But yeah, I told lots of people that I was gonna I was gonna lick their shame, and uh, because I thought it would just be funny because like. People would have to like wake up and tell their friends, "Oh, I lost to Lictors. you know. <laughs> well, the fact that you won in the end obviously reduces the shame. You know, if you'd have if you'd have if you'd have come like top ten or something, and you hadn't at least won the whole tournament, I think the shame would have still been there for people because they wouldn't have realised. But I think now you've uh, you've exposed the power, the dark power of uh, of this list. Um, and that brings us on to the second subject that we really wanted to gather to. I know you've given us uh, a lot of your time already, but you know. It's a big time right now for the Nids, um, and you are now the internet's darling when it comes to Tyranids. Um, so I just wanted to ask you about you know these new units, how you how you see them working with your list, uh, what changes you're looking to make, you know what you, what you think of the units in general. First of all, really, like what's your first impressions? Um, I think the I wish the like the heavy heavy monster like Toxicrin <coughs> yeah was able to. Deep Strike on his own when it came out, but obviously with the pod, you know that it's like a cool monster. Like it has some 
utility. Lash whips are kind of a cool, interesting thing because, like, anytime you're playing with initiative, you know, you can sometimes create advantages for because there's no grenades really in the codex. Hmm. Um, but that stuff wasn't that exciting. But it was like the later release with like the pods and like the, the triple unit pod, like three different units yeah. in one kit. I think I think that was what really started to hype up tuned players. And um, for my list, the regular pod, the, the pod that lets you deep strike, doesn't really provide anything for me because most of my army already does deep strike. So um, that doesn't really do anything for me, but I can see where it like you know opens up things like Carnifexes and pods, or if your uh, your tournament allows four world, the Dimacrin is obviously yeah. Uh, like, I was like, that's a clear candidate. <laughs> I mean, that, even um, even Swarmlord in there. I've seen people talking about putting the Swarmlord in there. Yeah, I mean, it, it opens up a lot of things that are borderline terrible, which is like a cool thing because obviously, in conjunction with my list winning this event, people are starting to open up to the tiered. Because like, I feel like reading tiered forums, I was always seeing the same things, which you know, which in any case bothers me because if everybody's doing the same thing, you know everyone's prepared for it you know everyone knows how to play against it like yeah. you need to i feel like people need to push the boundaries of the game and not just bring wave serpents and stuff like that mm -hmm. it's like you almost make it too easy for people like it's easy to beat wave serpents if you know what you're doing like it's the same thing every time <laughs> yeah yeah so the with all the pods you know you can change you can change so much because now carnifexes can get closer all the close range guns can get closer um but what i really like are the mucleids that's yeah. that's that's the unit I like. Yeah. <laughs> because um, obviously you saw I was using Spore Mines already. Yeah. And they're bigger, better in a troop slot, you know. So those people that really want to play Hyper MSU, you take you can take six fifteen man six fifteen point troop units, you know, get six units to interact. I mean, obviously they don't score, they don't contest. But they do like to me like they make your opponent think because it's strength eight AP three or if you take three of them, you're strength ten. Strength ten, you're scaring everybody's demon princes, you know, which is crazy. Because what are they supposed to do? Shoot at the? They're gonna shoot the pod? Are they gonna shoot the the spore mines that are shrouded in terrain? So maybe they have five points worth of shrouded, yeah. shrouded in terrain bombs that basically create a. Uh, because they can only move three and charge half, so they create like a seven to to hypothetically twelve inch no fly zone mm. to either in any of your direction. So like technically, that's what like fourteen fourteen inches of no fly where you can't come within fourteen inches of this pod if you can go laterally. So a couple of units of those interspaced creates a, a network of of a zone that the demon player can't fly into. That's crazy. You know, and even if you're playing against you know the other traditional um, nid build as well, um, really useful. Um, yeah, the cr the crones will die instantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. For for, so, for 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 a really really small outlay as well. I mean, what's what's forty five points really? Um, yeah, I mean, to me, taking like maybe one or two, like maybe two units of like the three and like two units of like the one. Because like it's still strength eight AP three, you know. There's a lot of things that that does damage to. Mm. I mean, we're talking bike bike marines is a good build. Drop pod marines is a good build. Like, yeah, the drop pod lands near one of those spores, like the, the guys are dead. Like, 
uh, you know, the five the five t- five man tactical squad won't kill it if it's in terrain. Hmm. If it has a two up three up save with three wounds. The five guys with bolters aren't going to kill it. And if it has one wound left, it kills five marines, <laughs> which is just silly. It's fifteen points. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a great return on the investment. Um, uh, how about the uh, the the, the revised uh, Zoanthropes with the upgraded, the unit upgrade. Anything you've looked at there at all? Um, you mean you mean things that take away from my elite slots with like? <laughs> <laughs> uh. No, um, no, I don't really have any interest in them. I mean, I can see that they they're better. You know, you can take six and get six four plants, basically. Yeah. But. Um, I'm not sure that that really beats an Imperial Knight still, mm. because I don't I don't think that Tyranids deal with Imperial Knights that way. Yeah, and yeah. Um, because then you're just what you're landing in its four up rerollable zone, and you hope that you get the power off, and it doesn't deny it. And how many four ups can it make? Like that that to me is basically I mean unless you're Jesse and you failed two three up rerollables in a row. I mean I, I don't <laughs> I don't see that being a strategy. Uh, so for you, you're going to be um, going to the Mucalids first and foremostly. Yeah, I'll probably go either. Um, I'll probably do something like to start off, either drop the Rippers and take three three units of one, mm. um, or drop a unit of Steelers and the Rippers and get two units of three and two units of one. Now you're saying they can't score? No, no Spore Mines can score or deny. Yeah, okay. Um, so you obviously lose that um, from the Rippers. Yeah. Um, do you feel that's going to be much of a problem for you, especially in um, you know looking towards ETC, for example, um, where they run um, parallel missions? Um, I don't think so. No. Um, I mean, I still have... I mean, with everything scoring in this edition, you know, I mean, yeah, it's no objective secured, but mm. my objective secured wasn't, you know, grossly overstated to begin with. I mean, mm. I had Gene Sealers and Rippers. I mean, a lot of games, my Rippers uh, sat there and ate themselves. They didn't really do anything. Mm. So um, to me, it's more about getting stuff that interacts with the game and putting pressure on my opponent. Okay. Um, you know, again, taking up mental space. What are you going to do with the 15-point Muclid? You can ignore it. You can sacrifice a overt amount of resources to kill it, like way more in essence of its value, and or you can choose to take a strength 8 AP3 to the face. Mm. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a choice. I mean, that's all it is. And obviously the more choices you present to your opponent, the higher chance of them to, you know, make mistakes, open it up, and... Uh... Hand you the hand you the win. Yeah, basically. All right. Well, thank you very much for your input on that, and thanks again for giving us your time. Um, oh, no problem. It's my pleasure. Hopefully, uh, hopefully, we get the sign off on this from uh, from from Mr. Gonio, the team captain. We haven't exposed <laughs> too much uh, of, of of your secret list here. Um, but yeah, no. Obviously, there's been a huge amount of interest on it from the internet, and it was great that we could get. Um, some coverage from you directly about it rather than us lot of buffoons rambling about what we don't know about. It's great to get it directly from the horse's mouth. So thanks very much for that. I really appreciate it. No problem. It has it has been really cool to see it explode across the internet. Um, I saw it on a Spanish blog yesterday. 
Yeah, yeah. I, brought, I, had, to, I had to hit the translate button because I was like, oh, I don't know what anything this says. What are they talking about? <laughs> fun, isn't it? When the internet explodes over a list you came up with, it was yeah. it was so much fun when Novessa Star popped and it was like, oh my god. <laughs> so you're getting the same thing with uh, with Lictors, except yours is more impressive because it's Lictors. What has happened to this place? I don't recognize it anymore. It used to be so fun and special. What is life worth living for? The dream is dead. Our land is gone. There's a hole in my heart and I can't go on. There are too many minorities. Minorities. At my water park. My water park. This was our land. So there you have it, uh, end of our special there. Thank you so much to Sean Naden, of course, for getting involved. Uh, thanks to Jesse for being brilliant as always and a great sport. Um, big up the guys at Elephant Company as well. It's a brilliant podcast. You should definitely check that out. Um, thank you very much to Sean for giving us that great insight as well on the, uh, the NIDs. I'm sure we're going to be seeing a lot more exciting stuff from him in the future as we progress. Um, thanks to Andy Gonyo of Team USA for allowing us to talk to uh, Sean and expose some of the secrets, but not all, uh, of that list and helping you understand how it works a little bit more. Really excited to see how he uses some of those new NID units. Uh, if you want to hear a little bit about our uh, thoughts and feedback on these new Turnid units that have just been released, uh, then you can check out our other recent podcast. I think that's episode 5.1. Um, where we talked about um, a lot of these new units and what we thought, how we thought we'd see them, uh, you know, slot into Tyranid lists or just change lists entirely, new builds and what have you. So check that out, it's pretty cool. Um, make sure you get involved as well. Thanks for everyone who's been leaving us feedback. If you can leave us positive reviews on iTunes, that would be brilliant. Thanks to everyone who's been subscribing. Uh, thanks to everybody who gets involved on the Facebook page as well. That's facebook.com forward slash AOC podcast. Uh, if you can get on there, that would be brilliant. More likes the merrier. We just hit 250 likes recently. Just gone over 8,000 plays on the podcast overall, so that's amazing as well. You guys are brilliant. Uh, if there's anything you want to hear on the podcast, any questions you've got, feel free to just drop us a line on the Facebook page. Um, we will be looking to improve the sound quality. I know there was a lot of background noise. I know there was some amusing background noise in the uh, Nathan Roberts interview last episode as well. Um, that's a problem with my recording software I'm going to be changing that up for the future so looking to just up the levels of everything pretty much and give you the best podcast that we possibly can uh, and carry on doing that for you because you know we're really passionate about this we're getting some great feedback from you guys and all that love that you're showing us really motivates us to keep it going so thank you so much uh, and we should see you again next Thursday uh, for another episode where we'll be talking about um, Dudwall's tournament, which is called Allies of Convenience, no relation, uh, which happened this week in the UK. Um, the Boys GT, we should have some coverage from that as well. And talking about some of the releases, some of the stuff that's coming up as well. Some of this Shield of Baal shenanigans that's floating around at the moment, um, what that means. Um, and I'm sure we'll be doing a bit of, a bit of Blood Angels wishlisting as well. Um, so tune in, hopefully next Thursday. Um, and we'll see you then. Take care. <laughs>